Welcome to episode 316 of TechSync, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. In today's show, we are, as usual, uh, as we have been recently, in the Pasadena Palace, and we're watching Jason's family put up um, Halloween decorations outside in the front yard. Uh, well, the girls. Which is Sandy a, and the girls. Colby Sandy and the girls. Okay. And, but that's a, great, um, that's, like, that's a great tradition that you guys have in the U.S., Mm-hmm. That in in the UK, you know, Halloween is not it, as big a deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you've got trick or treat, and you know, but it's just not the same level of every house is like totally done up. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? It's not every house. Obviously, uh, this particular area they seem to do it a lot. Yeah, um, Madison Heights is sort of always in the rich street. areas. The rich areas they do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, if you go like one or two streets over, like. Probably eighty percent of the houses, yeah, are done up, yeah, or at least they have, they have people. They're open for trick or treating, so everyone goes to that that uh, street, and we've done it for years. And it's like a, it's like something out of a movie, you know. It's so busy, it's like a festival or something. We always go to uh, Prospect, uh, just off um, uh, the Rose Bowl, yeah, because the houses are so beautiful, and they all, every single house does the same it. Kind they of have thing. big parties and. Yeah, I guess you're right. It probably is the rich areas, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah, people people drive in from all over the place to to do it on that street. So oh yeah, there's so many people on Prospect. Well, now we live just you know. Well, now you're you're one of the one you're you're one of the ones now. (laughs) Well, you better stock up on candy. Well, yeah, they're talking. So Sandy is. Sandy loves this kind of stuff, and so are the girls. So they, yeah. they, they, we got all. Look, I mean, I'm just watching the production come together. It's like uh, they're dressing a movie set or something. Yeah. Um, it's kind of nice this time of day. You know, it's like a Sunday, late afternoon. It yeah. rained earlier, so it's like that after rain sunshine. It's yeah. just kind of really. It's just like a perfect time of day. It is nice. And they're it's outside nice. putting up all the. Thing. I love it. They got some great stuff. Big spider web going across the lawn. Girls. There's a witch climbing up the tree. Girls are frolicking, around, frolicking with uh, tombstones in the grass. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> good, good time. So, um, so yeah. Uh, well, I walked in. You were sitting at your computer, and you showed me something very impressive. And I, I have to say, are you are you just saying no, that? Or no, you no, 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 no. Be- I have to say, like that was so. Basically, what is? I'll try and uh, kind of describe what it is. So, he's got um, the the. It, within math academy you kind of need prerequisites to understand where you are and it's, so it, it basically creates this really beautiful tree very kind of multi-faceted um multi-directional i guess hierarchical but yeah but more, yes. than, more than hierarchical so in it's, some ways. so it's interesting um and yeah. it's a visual representation of it and it's done i don't know whether you did that in like d3 or whether you wrote the whole thing but if you wrote the whole thing, you're crazy. But you probably did write the whole thing. But it's very, very proper coding, really good, like hardcore UI stuff there. So yeah, I'll tell. So yeah, so I'll tell you. So the, so every topic in the system has one or more prerequisites. Right. Okay. Um, the average probably being roughly two, but sometimes one. You know, one, sometimes three or four. You know, um, and. Sometimes what's gonna be really helpful is to look at it, look at the topic you're on, for instance, and see like what were the topics that fed into that, and then the topics that fed into those, and the fed uh, f- topics that fed into those, and it becomes this sort of tree. Except it's not a tree because a tree has a single parent. Yeah, it's so if you yeah. have multiple parents, it's a it's what they call a directly directed acyclic graph or DAG. It's essentially a network, but it's a, this is sort of 
but this has a hierarchical structure. Um, it reminds it. me of one of those tools that you buy for like 5,000 bucks that basically shows shows your schema, your database schema in graphical form. Right, it kind of wraps all stuff. Yeah, yeah so I, I, I've been planning to build something like this for a while. And then Alex, who's the director of content, was, you know, he's in the process now of, of, of setting the prerequisites for all these topics. I mean, this is right. something I've wanted to do for a long time, but we just didn't have enough content in the system to go about doing it. There were too many big gaping holes. Okay. But now that we have a lot of the content there it's and we're getting ready to release our first course, it's like we got to go through and set the prerequisites because there's there are tools and technologies that we want to build that need to, that need access to the information. Okay, so if like you're struggling in topic C and topic C is to, is 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 a prerequisite, and one of the prerequisites is topic B. If you struggle with topic B, then that is useful to know. If you're also struggling with topic A B, or C, because that means that maybe B is the problem. You know, yeah. There's all yeah. and there's a lot of other things that you can do to optimize a, a learning path if you understand the prerequisite structure and where struggle points were and when you last did them and all that kind of stuff, right? And when you're setting prerequisites as sort of a content developer or whatever, you're, it's good to kind of understand where the hell you are, <laughs> what's feeding into what, you know, like, um, so Alex asked me, he's like, can we have a way of visualizing this stuff to visualize the prerequisite structure? So when, so that he has a better sense of how things are coming together, if there are holes, do we have too many topics feeding into one topic? You know, do we have kind of orphaned you know, topics, you know, it's, it's, it's important to be able to visualize this stuff. Sometimes. Yeah. And, um, you know, initially I was going to sort of outsource this to one of my other developers, but then I just said, all right, you know, I'm just going to give this a shot myself. And I, I started looking around and I found a couple of libraries. I found one library that did trees and without really thinking about it, I'm like, Oh, cool. And I looked at some, you know, Oh, this is a cool JavaScript library. It generates trees, you know? And then I was like, wait, Wait a minute. This isn't a tree, though. A tree is like a single parent. Like this is a a, a dag. Yeah. And so I was like, oh crap, that's right. Like this. What am I thinking about? And so you know, I wasted like an hour because I was messing around with it. And then I was like, wait a minute. How do you set it's more than one parent? I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> a tree has a single parent. Idiot. You know. What am I thinking about? And then um, and then I looked at a couple other libraries that were pretty cool where you could set a bunch of data and it has these really slick you know, uh, libraries built on SVG or something or Canvas. And um, the problem was, for one, our topics include LaTeX, like math. And it, like differentiate A to the X. And A to the X is written in, in you know, in, in a math layout. It's not. Yeah. And the, you, there were, these, didn't, these libraries didn't really provide a way to do that unless it was already generated as an image, an SVG image or something. And, like this is... There's no way to do this. And I messed, I messed around. And I was trying to figure out if like, well, what if I can dynamically create the image? And it just was not playing with Math Jacks. And I was like, damn it. So I was looking around and looking around. And I was just like, how the hell am I going to do this? Because I need I need it to be like in a div or a span because I need to put the Math Jacks in there, the, 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 the topic name. So, but how am I going to draw, you know, but I can't, I can't mix it with, SVG or Canvas, and I was looking at like how to do that, and it was just like a nightmare. If you try and put HTML in Canvas, or you, they just you can't mix them together. And then I was like, and then I saw some library. I saw someone. I, I was doing searches on like how do I draw lines, and you know it was different references Stack Overflow to Canvas and SVG. And then I then I saw an example where they just drew a couple lines, 
and it was like, oh, like I can set an SVG container and draw a line and that kind of can be behind the content, the actual spans. And so once I realized I could do that, then I was like, okay, how do I draw like a, like a arrowhead that looks good no matter what its orientation was. And I kind of found out, figured out how to do that and built on it, built on it. And then I started writing the, doing all the, the logical coding and the mat to lay everything out in an intelligent way. So there's enough spacing and things are balanced, even though you have no idea how unbalanced the particular tree or network is going to be. And then all the math to get the arrows drawn. So they look cool. They're not, you know, too crammed together and they don't go into a box or whatever. And, uh, yeah, and you just kind of saw it kind of come together there. I think it's about 90% there. And um, it's just one of those examples of like, you know, you look at this stuff and you're like, okay, I need to, I'd love to just set an adjacent object and pass it to some magical library. And the magical library does all this funky math and all this nasty, you know, drawing and it just does everything. But the reality is it's not that hard. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's not you're going to do an hour or two, but in a couple days, you know, I, I think I did, I started on Friday. So it took me about maybe two, two and a half days to do it, mm -hmm. but it's super fun. Yeah. And it looks exactly what I wanted to look like. Even the best libraries, even discounting the, 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 the whole HTML not playing. I mean, the math jacks not be able to play in the SVG world. It still didn't look nearly as good as, what mine looks like didn't look like, and at least in terms of it didn't look how I needed it to look. Yeah. It didn't lay things out in the way I needed them to lay it out. They were still going to be in this weird network. Like they didn't have any understanding of the real structure. And so you'd be looking at it and you'd be like, I don't understand where so I am. So it's an internal tool right now. And are you going to be using it? Uh, is Alex going to be using it to navigate content? Yeah. So I, I think we can build as a navigation tool. That would be an interesting thing. You can crawl through it, right? You just click on a topic and then it shows the visualization. You click on those topics and it loads a new network. Nice. So you can kind of yeah. crawl through it. But I, I was initially just building as a way, like you click on a topic and, be, and kind of get a sense of where you are and where thing, what it's feeding, what your feed, what this topic's feeding into and what's feeding into it. So, where the, so, the, so it puts the current topic kind of in the middle of the page and shows all the stuff coming down to it and all the stuff going out of it. Yeah, well, I actually, I just, feel, I just for starters, I have, like, you can set, like, how what depth, like, how many layers below you want to yeah. go. Probably four to five is about as much before it just gets too big. And just the next layer up. Like, uh, this is what it feeds into. If you yeah. want to look above that, just click in that and just can crawl your way up. I mean, you know, it's something I can play with. But initially, again, it was just for an internal development tool, but it'd be really cool to have this for users to be able to kind of... That would be great. Based this. on the mock-ups that we did, like if you go into that, you know, one of those tabs that shows where they are or whatever, you click on that and then you see something like that. I think it'd be kind That'd of be neat. sweet. Yeah, I think it'd be kind of neat. I think there's a lot of cool stuff we can do with yeah, it. Yeah, you could put your little scores next to each each node, you know? Oh, your mastery level, where your you're master, at, yeah. what's unlocked yeah. and things. That yeah. would be cool. So, but the fact that I built it myself means I can do any of this stuff really easily, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the one thing about building stuff yourself is you oh, just I have love it. Yeah. It's, complete it's, control. Oh, it's huge. I mean, yeah, build it. I totally agree. I did, you know, it's, there's a lot of, we're, we're, we're so, you know, against, you know, the NIH not invented here syndrome is so, uh, you know. Railed against. Railed against, right. People hate it. That, People are now afraid to do anything. There's so much snark about it. When you're in, if you're in like a large organization, and you you say, "Oh, let's build it," and you just get snark left, right, and center. Yeah, because everybody wants everybody. Nobody wants to learn something new. 
right? They don't want to learn your code yeah. if you're an organization, right? They would rather learn in a code. They already use something that's already widely used, well documented. Well, which makes sense. Which um, does make sense to yeah. other people. Um, in that context. And, and nobody wants to pay somebody else to build something if something already exists. Yeah. But when something doesn't exist and there's nothing that's really going to solve your problem, you know, build it. And don't be afraid to build it. You don't have to build, like, it's not like I'm building a library that can handle any type of network in any situation or whatever. I mean, it's like, it's, oh, it's 5%, it's specific, it's 5 yeah. of that solution. Yeah, but that's exactly. all I needed to do. I need to have yeah. a handful of uh, parameters that can do a few different things. And other than that, it's just like, that's that's all it needs to do. Oh, I like it. I do. It looks good. You're back on your game. Well, you know, so, well, thanks. Prezo, I, Prezo Jason is back. <laughs> I was really, i having a blast doing it. Nice. You know, I started, I really started coding about a week, getting, putting my, like rolling my sleeves up, started coding about a week, week and a half ago. Yeah. And it all started because I tried to hire a second developer on Upwork. <laughs> oh, oh, but you're the that, king of Upwork. That's a whole nother story. So I, I, that's a whole nother topic <laughs> I want to get into. That didn't work out. And I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's because I, the thing I want. So it turns be, out your first your first guy is hey, he's pretty good. He's not as bad. He's not as bad well, as he I'm thought he saying, was. He's pretty good. I'm just saying he has <laughs> some, some just some he issues. has limitations yeah. like most people yeah. do. That he's not a front end designer product guy. Which the vast majority of people listen to this like, of course he's a developer. Yeah. Like, act, treating trying to treat somebody who who can implement front end code as some kind of designer or pseudo designer is an unrealistic expectation and an unfair expectation right, right nobody's billing you know he's not billing himself as a designer um uh this other guy i tried hiring turned out to be let me how can i say this in a charitable way he lacked the skills necessary <laughs> to do the job um all right <laughs> and but yeah but he's going to be one of like a number that you try right well i yeah so let's i want to get in the whole process okay. let me just say yeah. and i'm just i'll just finish so i can finish this off but yep. so when i when I realized that that wasn't going to work out, I was just like, damn it. Like, all right, I'm just going to do this because I need this done. Right. Because it takes a long time to just find that person. Like, but, let alone, you know, find them, train them up, get them to do it the way you want to do it. I mean, how long do you think it would take to get what you've just got right there? I wouldn't be able to get that. You couldn't? You couldn't even I get don't it. think. I don't, I don't think it would be in any reasonable amount of time I could get something like that done out of anyone. Out of, without, I mean, it would take... I would say reasonable. I mean, yeah. Could could you find someone who spends weeks doing it? Because I have a very particular idea of what I want. And I am very particular about how the arrows are oriented and how this. And there's so much product and design that built into it. Where was I reading? Someone was saying that they'd kind of outsourced themselves. And one of the big things that founders think is that people can't do what they think. And it holds founders back because they think, oh, other people can't do what I think. But what I know I can do other people can't do it. But I'm trying to work out whether what you're saying is actually right because it is so kind of specific. Well, it's like one of these things where everybody thinks they can play in the NBA. Most people are wrong. <laughs> it is really smart <laughs> advice to tell everybody that they're absolutely wrong, they can't play, but it's completely wrong advice for a small subset of people. You know, and so I'm not saying I'm not describing myself as an NBA player, but, you know, but I just mean is there are situations where there's something that you're trying to do is very, very specific. 
Yeah. It, a lot of it is in your head. It's hard to describe. There's not a lot of people that are going to have sort of the tenacity and the and the mix of skill sets to pull it together. And and like I said, within a reasonable amount of time, could you could you have someone do it and take three months to do it with lots and lots of back and forth and frustration and like, dude, just do this, just look, try this, or you know, or like maybe not three, maybe it would take me like six weeks of back and forth where I can go through all those iterations of, like you said, the self-argument, like going upstairs, lying down because you're frustrated because nothing will work. And then you go, no, I figured it out. And you go back downstairs and you try things, you try things and you do 15 searches going through Stack Overflow until you find a, a hint of something that might work. And then you try some things and then you go and you go look up directed, you know, directed acyclic graphs and networks and you, and you search for hours on images, on Google images to find some networks like, oh, this is kind of what I want it to look like. But if you didn't do it yourself, you really wouldn't have a clear idea what it is you really wanted. But then you took it and you have like seven different versions of it. And between the seven, you figured out this, these are the elements. If I pull it together is exactly what I want. And this is, but it took a lot of those iterations of understanding what it could potentially be, what it is, what its fundamental constraints are, and what you need. I don't know. It's like emergent design, basically. It's really hard to do what, that. How many times have you asked people to do something and they've come back and surpassed your expectations? I'm trying to think it's ever happened. Um, well, it sounds like well, it's happened with you, Alex. It sounds like it's happened with Alex. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk about code, and we'll get to Alex. Okay. Yeah. You've impressed me a number of times when you've. I haven't asked you for it, but I've seen stuff that you've done for yourself, and I'm like, that's like, dude, nice. Oh, thanks. Like, man. well done. I like, appreciate that. Like, if you and I were working on something, and I said, hey, why don't you try this? You would come back and be like, hey, check check this out. Check this out. Like, <laughs> like let me let me show you something, right? Like, you would just put that spit and polish. You would try things until you would be fighting with it, and trying things and you'd get something well, I, that no, had this I, I elegance. wasn't fishing when i asked no this question. no but no. You, i i went i'm i'm trying to actually find out because i'm going somewhere interesting with it i, I don't want yeah but i i was thinking when i because i thought of that i've thought of this question you're asking myself the last couple of days huh. you know and i was thinking yeah justin justin would if justin would be able to impress me he would come up with some with this, especially ui oriented solutions yeah. you would you have a high bar of what of how something should work and how it should look and how it should behave, and you would fight with it until it reached that point. Guyon, Guyon, yeah, has impressed me from the algorithmic code structure. He's not a front end guy, but if you want to create like how what's a really really what's a good solution to this really hairy problem that's hard to even describe, much less solve. I've worked with him there are times where he would he would like you know here's what we need to do and I'm like that's smart <laughs> that's, that's smart. good <laughs> that's good <laughs> that is good um, but Alex I was thinking that today Alex is really really good I mean just really good at what he does so Alex you know just he's the director of content for the system right yeah so he's built the team he manages them he you know prioritizes what content's being done. He will edit tutorials. He'll go back and forth with editors and want how things need to work and, and how, you know, feedback on things and distributions of difficulty and how you want to think about stuff. And he'll get 
tutorial writers up to speed on all our conventions and how you write a tutorial and what you don't need to do. And that is not easy to do, even with great people with PhDs and good writers. It still takes a long time to really get them to write the Math Academy way. And he is... Um, He's a rare find. I'm really, really lucky with When him. I think about people like this, the, re the reason why I asked the question is, when I think about people like that, who I've met over my life, the vast majority of them are extremely successful entrepreneurs. Like, they just, because they've just, they just do big picture and they do detail. And so they've just yeah. been able to be super successful in life, you know. Um, I was thinking that. But the other thing I was thinking is, imagine... Like, and I, th I think probably Stripe did this. Imagine if you brought in everyone like that. Imagine if your whole company was just those kind of people. Like, what the? Well, I you mean, know, it's interesting. I just listened to some interview. I think it was, um, oh God, what, what, uh, I don't know if it was Product Hunt Radio or something. It was an interview and it had the Stripe guys in a panel discussion with some yeah. other people. And I, I remember it because we were and I were talking about panel discussions. I was telling you how much I hate panel discussions. <laughs> yeah. I hate listening to them. I hate being on panels. I find it really boring. I hate frustrating when I'm on a panel because I just spend most of my time listening to people thought, say things that I think are kind of boring or stupid. Um, but what's frustrating on a panel discussion is people, what they say is sort of watered down and shortened and you don't get into any detail because you have to kind of pass the baton to some other people. But anyway, in this particular panel discussion, they had the two um, Stripe brothers, um, Patrick and John Collison. Yeah. And, you know, of course, we interviewed Patrick years and years ago. And I, I, I met John once up in, uh, I actually introduced him. I, I hooked him up with Uber to try and get Uber on Stripe back mm -hmm. in 2011 okay. yeah. or 12. Um, but one thing that they said, I can't remember, because they were talking about hiring is one of the key things, one of the really quite key questions. And he said, they said they wanted, like the first person they like brought in, like coded to like, pair coded for like a weekend and hung out all weekend. This is like one of their first hires. Yeah. And they wanted somebody who was, I think it was like a high degree of like, they would finish things, but they had, and they had, they, they would, they would, they would finish things. That was a big thing. And they had a high degree. They were very detail oriented and they were really honest. I think those are three, three, three things, but it was honesty, integrity, like, and, and you know, just, I'll, I'll bring it to completion and I really, really care about the details. You know, and that's, you know, if I look at, and that's that's the same with, I would say with you and Guyon and with um, Alex. Yeah. You're, you, you care about this thing and damn it, you're going to make it right. Right. And you're going to do whatever the hell it takes to finish it up and you're not going to settle for a half-assed or even a 90% solution. This is going to be a great solution. Yeah, like if the, if I'm going to, when I say I'm, I don't mean me, but these kind of people, if we're going to work on anything, we're going to take that attitude. So that's why it's quite difficult when someone says, oh, will you help me? Because it's like, ah, but if I help you, then I'm going to, that like perfectionism is going to kick in and it's, I'm going to have to really, really help you, you know? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to kind of. <laughs> you can't switch it off, right? You can't just do a half-ass job for someone. No, it's totally true. It's totally true. But I remember, like, remember you showed me just, you, you, this is offline. It was about a few weeks ago, a month ago, and you were showing me how you would, you created sort of an editor for creating um, lessons for Nugget. Yeah. It was awesome. 
It was really, really <laughs> slick. I was like, that. I was like, yep, that's, that's no cool. one's ever going to see that except know, for me. But I loved it. I was like, that is really cool. Like that is really slick. You know, that's hilarious. And, but you put the spit and polish on it like it was some kind of professional, like 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 as if other people would see it one day. When like they I never wish will. that's how Squarespace actually worked or something. Like why can't it be as easy to use and look as good as this? You know, you know, it's like impossible. I still can't. I still can't get Squarespace to do half things. I want. Yeah, so very frustrating. Annoying. Very Squarespace. frustrating. I think it. I mean, some things it, it does well. I can't complain because we have a our website up there, and, and it allowed us to get something up that looks good without spending a lot of money. But trying to edit some stuff, it's just a nightmare. Anyway, but yeah, I, I would say it's so. Just so a, you know Alex McCaw, who we interviewed as well. Yeah, he was worked for Stripe for a while. He worked for Stripe, so I'm just thinking about him, and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, Stripe got people this kind of level, and you know, he worked there for a year, and then he went on to um bootstrap and then get funding for clearbit which i clearbit is basically an enrichment platform so you give them an email address and they'll give you back everything about that person like they'll give you back their social media accounts they'll give you back all the different stuff they've talked spoken about mm. all the semantical information anyway clearbit's doing extremely well are they raised a lot of raised decent money and is is very profitable Wow, um, very good profitable. for Alex. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so, <laughs> funny. We got we probably need to reach out to some of those people we haven't interviewed in years. We got, um, we got them at the right time, you know. Yeah, I mean, some of them are probably so famous and they're probably too like I don't know if Patrick Collison right? would be on again or yeah, but maybe Alex would. But you know who would be uh, Peter? Um, what's Peter Lesser? Java, uh, um, Peter. He, he Peter to the show one time with you. Oh, um, Peter Michaud? No. Peter. That's Pete Michaud. No, uh, the JavaScript. He does JavaScript. Uh, the JavaScript. I know user. the guy you mean. I can't remember his surname. English. Right yeah. Peter. He's probably listening to the show and I like going, guys. Uh, no, he doesn't listen to the show anymore. Um, but uh, he might I'll, be listening and he's just like going, dude, you seriously can't remember no my last way. name. We know we, we we were we were. I, I, I apologize in advance. I know your face. I see your face. I Peter know Cooper. Your, you yeah, know, I know your story. Yeah, there, Peter Cooper. I know your life story. I just can't remember your last name. No, like we were. Peter's a great guy, but yeah. he'd be cool to have on the show. Because yeah. I love his newsletter or his weekly on JavaScript. It's like the JavaScript Weekly or JavaScript, and it's. I've. I mean, I think we. There was a year where we probably couldn't have brought those people on because we weren't doing regular shows. But now that we're back on track, I think we could probably. You know, we've got a bit of muscle power again. Probably. Uh, I don't know, but I don't think they probably don't care about that. <laughs> They're probably like, but you know, we might be able to get Gabriel Weinberg on. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. yeah. And DuckDuckGo. He's been on a few times. Of course, Rob Walling and. Yeah. You know. Tiny Seed. Yeah, so let's. Is there anything else you want to talk about on the on which on this? Oh, I I got to go back to that. But we, do you want to well, talk no, about the Upwork you, thing first or not? Well, because you wanted to talk about uh, your problem hiring someone on Upwork. Yeah, do you want to talk about that first, or do you want to talk about Tiny Seed? Tiny Seed and then Upwork. Okay, let's do it. So just just a, I mean, don't have to get, get so too Rob depth Wall, into So it. I got an email, Rob Wong, starting an accelerator for bootstrap startups, which is a kind of an oxymoron, because how is a bootstrap startup? get big because basically the idea i mean it's 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 good don't get like i think it's incredible i love it mm -hmm. but it's it is a bit of an oxymoron in the sense that um you get given one year's worth of uh funding so that you can so that you can leave your day job i mean basically it is exactly what i've dreamed my whole life like oh my god yes give me enough money so that i can just support myself and build this thing for a year that's a, that is the dream the mm -hmm. the kind of bootstrapper's dream um I'm really interested to to see how it works out, you know. But it's not just that. You also get 
uh, you get virtual, uh, you know, coaching from guys like Hitton, you know, Hitton Shah and and all, all, all the regular Rob, guys. And Rob. Rob and but all so, the regular guys, yeah. So I, I was kind of thinking, I was like, is this competitive with Nugget? But then I was like, it's not because they're only going to be able to fund a small number of people because yeah. that's, it's, so maybe they fund, even if they fund 30, 40, 50 people over the next couple of years, it's that's not, a ton of money. And that's, that's a, a lot very, of that's yeah. a very small number of people. And really, so here's the thing. If I'm Rob, and you're coming in to, you're pitching me your idea virtually or whatever, and you're like, here's what I want to do. You probably have to have, you have to somehow be pretty persuasive that you have a good idea and a good track, a good ability to execute on that idea before they're going to do that, right? People are coming to you because they don't really have an idea yet, and they certainly haven't figured out how to execute on all this stuff, right? It's, it's, it's almost like if they graduate from your program, they might be in a they might be in a position to then say, "Hey, I've gone through Nugget. I've developed this idea. I have some users. We have a working product. You know, I'm starting to you know grow a little bit, but I really need to now. I want to put full time. Well, it's almost like Nugget is, is the feeder. It, it's the feeder for tiny seed. <laughs> now, now, there's nothing official, but I have discuss that idea with rob of course you can yeah i mean like this is not this <laughs> and, uh, is not this you know, is not I'm, hard well, for anyone to imagine and, yeah and, so so what you know so there might there might be a day one day when there's an official relationship and nugget is a feeder for tiny seed you but know? even if there's not yeah even if there's nothing official about yeah. it it's just like hey you know i mean it would probably benefit I mean, it'd probably benefit you, both of you, whether it's official or unofficial, just like, hey, you know, Rob is sometimes mentoring here and he likes to have like a, see, see that he keeps an eye on the latest stuff. He may, if your stuff looks really good, you know, he might reach out to you, you know. I'd put, I'd put John Paul, who's doing fire.ci, I put him in, in there right now. You say, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's got his shit together. He's ready to go. Yeah, so it's it's fun. So 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 now that the name Nugget is kind of like the tiny it's a nugget of a seed. It's like right before the tiny seed. The tiny tiny seed is the Nugget. Tiny, tiny seed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. But no, but I I do think um you know um I think Rob's under the impression that that um that the, what they're doing at Tiny Seed is more hands on than what what we're doing in Nugget. Um, and it kind of is, but not very much. Like only by a small fraction. Um, like we, like I and the other lead mentor and the new mentors that I want to bring in, we're we're talking to these guys all the time. You know, like we are really working with. Well, them. that's, that's I, like I said. I, I think your your phase. You know, you're the you're the phase that would get them to the point where somebody might consider giving them some yeah. money, right? You're, I mean, the people are coming in here. They don't do nugget. If if they're in a position to 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 pitch, you know, tiny seed for. Something. I mean, I'm still really interested to know what the deal is, and the, and the the deal for tiny seed isn't laid out like it's you know they think that it might be some version of equity and, and dividends. Yeah, well, it's it's fine, but like I said, if 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 I was in Rob's position and I was going to put my money behind something, I would be pretty convinced that this thing's going to work, right? And there, so there has to be done a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of stuff has to be done to validating it, to getting some initial traction, to getting some kind of executing on some kind of a product. You know, all this stuff has to happen first before somebody as smart as, and knowledgeable as Rob is is going to put a dime behind it, right? So Rob's partner in this is a guy who went through YC and who now runs a tech-enabled fund, um, like an investment bank, 
that uses tech to kind of um, help with mergers and acquisitions. I find that kind of interesting because like this idea of using tech, like I don't know whether I'm reading this wrong, whether I'm misunderstanding, but this idea of using tech to like moneyball mergers and acquisitions, it's that's very far away from like the concept of like self-funded bootstrapped, tiny bootstrapped. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the it's almost like the other side. It's almost mm -hmm. like, you know, you you you're you're dancing with the devil if you're if you're using algorithms to to decide mergers and acquisitions, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that, that that's really interesting. I'm interested to see how that fit works. Whether I've read that right, you know, how that whole thing will, you know comes together. No, just because he's done that doesn't mean he doesn't. It understand doesn't. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. yeah. He probably has a. I mean, I know a lot of a lot of people who've done the VC stuff come out later and are like, you know, if you can find it yourself, do it yourself. Well, that's right, because they succeed, they secede all the power, like they lose the control. They lose all the control, they go yeah. through the frustration, they fight yeah. the VCs, they yeah. get frustrated. You know, it might be like a lot of their investors or VCs are good partners, but all it takes is one or two to really ruin the whole experience for you and be like, you know what, I'm not going to take any more people. So, in fact, I just listened to an interview, I was on Startups uh, This Week in Startups, it was... Um, Jason Calacanis' show, yeah. and it was uh, Chamoff, I think is the guy's name. And the guy's yeah. really successful. He was part of the, you know, the um, Warrior, the the Golden State Warriors, and he's made billions of dollars or whatever. But he was talking about, he was really just putting down the whole VC path. He's just, I was like, you would love this because he 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 was. I mean, they talk about a lot of other stuff that's unrelated, but part of the discussion was saying he, his advice was like grow grow slow grow real business he's like the whole vc thing is bullshit he's like 40 percent of the dollars i think he would he claim, i can't remember exactly what i think claim was something like 40 did you did you watch the video i put together i no i i skimmed through the i skimmed through a piece of parts of it i didn't have time to watch it was it, this it was yeah. what you're saying right so now. you should watch the chamath thing too because you, yeah. you'll find you get a kick out of it but he was saying that but those numbers that he references in there would be useful to build out your build out your your presentation because what he said was that he claimed that forty percent of the dollars that go into VC funding end up in either Google, Facebook, or Amazon's pocket because everybody tries to buy growth, right. and then you get this because what happens is is that all of these um, and I'll try and say this as succinctly as possible, but these fund managers, the VCs, um, are getting paid on the carry, so they get they get paid on two percent on the size of the fund, right? So what you want to do is have as much money as possible. And the one way that you can raise funds is that you can show like this large, you know, short-term growth rate, which is like, a, you know, which like you get, you get, you fund an A round, you show a certain level of growth and then you get a B round. So it values the company. So you can mark it up on your books. Like this is what the value is worth. We put the money in this, at this level. Now the company is worth this much larger um, amount, which is largely predicated on the growth that was fueled by buying users it's and customers. It's basically passing the baton from VC to well, VC. Ponzi scheme, which is right. it's like a Ponzi scheme, which is what he was saying, which, and so therefore, a lot of the growth is kind of fake. I mean, anybody can buy users in an unsustainable way through Facebook and Google ads and everything else. And Amazon, he's like 40% dollars end up with them anyway. And then you get this 400% growth and then it goes down to 100% growth and it goes down to like 8% and then it's like, you know, dead. He's like, you want to be like Amazon and you have 25 years of 25% growth a year kind yeah. of thing. And um, 
you know, anyway, so he's like, grow, grow real, grow slow. So anyway, that was his, his message. And he's just like, I'm done with all well, this stuff. So, so one, so two important or, and interesting things that came up from my founder first presentation that I put together this slide deck and we'll put up, we'll put a link to the show notes. That's, a, that's, um, that's a link to the video of this founder first concept that I'm starting to nurture. And I want to kind of create this, this, I think I want to make a 501c. Okay. Founder first. I'm sort of thinking math academy. Mm-hmm. If math academy was about bootstrapping, I don't think you have. Well, okay. Yeah, I but, mean, but, 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 but we'll, get okay. we'll get back to that. Okay, we'll get back. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, interestingly, if you look at how many unicorns have been created through the VC model, right? There's been like 115 unicorns in the US. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is a total of uh, well, there's a total of 124 or or. So, the way that Meaning it works. over a billion dollar valuation. Yes. Greater than billion So I'm dollars. looking from the last 10 years. So interestingly enough, if you look at like self-funded stuff, you know, there's like 10,000. The, the official number is there's 10,000 self-funded SaaS apps. Okay. And there's nine unicorns. Out of that. Out of that. And there's 115 unicorns out of, out of um, like 140,000 uh, funded. So it's, it's approximately the same percentage. Like, so this whole concept of lifestyle business right? You know, don't, don't do a bootstrap, don't do a lifestyle business. It's complete bullshit because you've got exactly the same chance of creating a unicorn. MailChimp is the perfect example. MailChimp, these guys were like you and me. They're two guys. They're like, okay, I think like, like this kind of email concept, I'm going to bootstrap this. They started bootstrapping it. They didn't leave work for two years. They just kept on building it on the side. Then when they, when they hit like 10,000 people paying, they're like, huh, Maybe we'll do this full time. So then they started doing full time. You know what? It, it's it's now worth four point four billion. And they own the whole thing. They are the only two owners, the hundred percent owners of this. Yes, this that's, just, that's, <laughs> that's just amazing. That's so awesome. Fifty million revenue a month. There's six hundred million a year revenue. Yeah. See, that's just so. <laughs> here's the thing, and I, I remember we were going through math a little bit. I remember we were talking about this at lunch. And the one thing I would point out is like, I think the point is, and I don't remember what the what the stats are, but if you can make it to um so was it to pr- a profitable once you reach a profitable sa- uh, self-funded company yeah a SaaS sort of SaaS or mobile company profitable your point your pro your your you'd qualify i don't know if the, what 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 qualifies is that ten thousand is there some like a certain amount of month you have to make per year well the te- basically ten thousand that that's not from me that's another another company that that basically okay, well, did, what are they, what, they did a statistical research and they said there's ten thousand SaaS companies so when they say SaaS companies they, they obviously they're they mean that are in business they mean operational but the question is does that mean they make a thousand dollars a year they make at least a hundred thousand dollars a year what, well, what does that mean well i'm i'm looking at both both statistics as just it just means operational so I'm basically saying, which from 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 funded yeah, startups. Yeah, but I mean, but you have to know what that number means. So if it says, so if it says, okay, we can, if they say, well, we consider a company that makes a million dollars a year in revenue, self-funded, is a is a true. You've reached a certain level. Like this is what we call a SaaS, or if you make a thousand dollars, I mean, it's really kind of just I sell WordPress themes and I have a thousand. Like, what qualifies as that? Oh, that's good. That's so that's I, good I think point. it's important. Yeah. The definition is important because I think it's. If if you can if because maybe it's something reasonable maybe it's something if you make you know a hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue and you are at least break even then you could say at that point on you have equal pr- chances of becoming a unicorn is than if you received um, a round funding or C- or seed round funding 
Mm-hmm. That would be interesting, but it, you really need. But I think you just need to be really clear what what that means because I don't think people are going to believe. Well, the stats. I mean, to be honest, the stats that I looked at for the VC model, what I came up with were just quite incredible. Like, I find them difficult to believe, but apparently they're true. Which is that every year, two million teams go. I'm going to do a startup. They just, you know, just just guys like you and me. I think I'm going to do a startup, and then they seek funding and they do pitches and they put together pitch decks. And of those, one and a half thousand get VC funding and 56,000 get funded from angels. So in other words, you've got a 90, so one, okay. 97% chance, just, just in that, of getting funding, you've got a 97% chance when you start. And it's the same with, with, so in other words, you start at the top of the tunnel, the funnel, and you think, I've got an idea to start a startup. You've got a 97% chance of failure, of not getting funded. And it's exactly the same with Y Combinator. So if you go Y Combinator, there's approximately 42,000 people have like applied. And, to, and I think 12,000-ish have been accepted. So it's kind of like a 3%. So you have, this ni- you have this 97% chance of just it being a single point of failure. And that to me is like, whoa. Like... If you if you just go ahead and, and validate an idea and just try and earn your first 10 bucks, you don't have to do a pitch deck. You don't have to spend time courting people. Look at our friend Thorsten. He's he's spent three years getting seed funding for his his idea, right? Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, that's like that's incredible. That's in, you know what I mean? Like, what could he have been doing for that? What is the opportunity cost? Mm-hmm. What could he have been doing for three years? He could have validated some idea, made a hundred bucks, just validated that someone wanted to buy it. Like, that's the thing that kind of makes me go, what the hell's going on here? Take those 2 million people, don't try and get VC funding, just try and validate something. Just build it up, we'll just build it up, you know, build it bootstrap up. it. I mean, yeah. Anyway, i just like to see you, I, I think you should reach out to the real statistics and find out what are the, what's the definition of a SaaS company? Or yeah. a what, what are your qualifications? Got it, so I right. think that's important for people. Okay. For somebody who's skeptical like me, it's like, okay, so, you know, what, what does that mean? But... I, I think, uh, yeah, you know, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I, I'm not interested in taking funding, you know, I'm trying yeah. to, I'm trying to do this on my own, you know, it's a, it's costing, you know, I'm doing it a little differently because I am putting my, my own money into it and I do have people working for me. It's not like I'm just, and you have, it. you have earned your money through the absolutely longest shot in all humanity, mm-hmm. like getting some sh- some some shares in Uber and that's how you've managed to get some money and you didn't even have like a 10% stake or something. So it's just quite astonishing your whole life is like what the hell? Or you could say or you or you could say <laughs> the money I'm using is from the cryptocurrency trading. Oh, oh yeah, good point. That's, that's almost what I how I think about that, it, but but that kind of is the money you use as well. And I guess yeah. the Tesla money that you you did. It depends on how you want to think yeah, about it. It's all yeah. fungible, right? So it's like yeah. but yeah, yeah. I mean but uh, for the for the same reason, I'm I'm I, I want to try and do this on my own without taking a lot of outside money, because I want to have control over it. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to be pressured into any kind of artificial growth or selling it or doing. That. I want to be grow MV slowly. What's that? MV Code Club. Yeah. Same deal. Same go. I mean, that's like you know, Doug is just growing this thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm the only investor and I don't pressure him at all. I'm like, is, you know, I'm his chief cheerleader, you know, go Doug, you know, I mean, that's, that's basically all I am, you know, this sounding board and cheerleader and mm-hmm. you know, whatever well, confessor. 
we we don't need to um you know keep on going on um I, we can circle back to something that i want to talk about um which is like a i guess a, a marketing strategy like i'm thinking of maybe doing a podcast or something um a, you know answering bootstrappers questions but let's hear what you want to talk about for up you know about the upwork stuff yeah so um this last one didn't work out <laughs> uh <laughs> right. okay what's the lesson tldr yeah i didn't give a coding test i should have given him a coding test okay so you basically yeah that's classic mistake and you that's the advice you gave last time yeah i you know i have I have done it a number of times without giving coding tests and giving coding tests. It's been sort of a random distribution on the not giving a coding test. I've right. had some, I've gotten lucky and had had a couple of easy wins where it's like, hey, I just talked to them, they seemed good, and then they were productive pretty quickly and worked out great. Um, probably, you know, I've it's been a successful 60% of the time and then twice it's sort of, I think not worked out when I've done that. So a four of the six developers or sort of the five developers, three, three worked out and two didn't for different, not all just from working from different contexts. I mean, the ones for other companies, actually we all gave coding tests. So I'm just talking about the ones I, not giving a coding test. For your, just for you, for your company. Yeah. Well, actually no, been four, four wins, two losses. And you know, um, Maybe we gave that guy a coding test. I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's, I, I was sort of thinking like, you know, sometimes I feel like I can just talk, if I can talk to somebody and they speak English well enough and we can have a nice long conversation about tech and languages and frameworks and things like that, that I'll be able to get a pretty good sense of somebody has the skills. And this last guy I talked to, he sounded pretty good. You know, he spent years doing C++ and had done you know, .NET and Java and this has been something in PHP and he knows way around Angular and and um, React and blah, blah, blah. You know, we talked about stuff and he got kind of excited talking about some stuff that it seemed like he, okay, he dug in pretty deep on some things. And so it's like, okay, he could probably do this. That makes sense. Yeah, I can, and, I can see how you could uh, let that one slide. But yeah, and I was being kind of lazy because I was kept trying to figure out like what kind of coding test. I mean, it was like I was kind of hard. I was having a hard time figuring out what the kind of, kind of coding test would actually be make sense in this situation, you know? Because I wanted something that was closely modeled, the kind of work I wanted to have him do, and I didn't want to spend like half a day creating something artificial for him to do. And uh, so I was just kind of lazy, and I said, "I right, screw it. Let's just let's just go." And so that was the coding test. The coding test was just a longer couple of weeks of working with him. Yeah, but it's really inefficient. Yeah, I mean because. Because you, you, it burns a lot of your time because you spend a lot of time being frustrated and going back and forth with them on Slack and say, hey, listen, here's what I want you to do. Don't do this, do that. And what kind of things was he getting wrong? Yeah, I just, I don't know. It was like funny. Like I, I had, there was a lot of stuff that was being, it was this big complicated content tree that, you know, it's just a content tree of like, you know, think of like modules and submodules and topics and, you know, all the, like a table of data that's associated with it. So it's like a tree, but then like in a, with columns and rows and, you know, and there's definitely, you know, context menus and different types of things, you know. And, you know, it's something that you could rewrite, an expert developer could rewrite and do a nice job in a couple of days. You know, you get the bulk of it done in a day and you spend a day just kind of polishing and getting everything working and um, maybe three days tops if you were kind of, being a little extra, 
you know, particular and, you know, but um, he, and I, I was like, you know, we should just, I don't see why we don't just build this using the, the EGS template on the server. Why don't we just kind of, why are we, why are we at, requesting all this JSON? We're dumping the JSON in the file and then parsing that and then building everything on the client side. I'm not really sure that's necessary. Like, why not just build this using templates? And he's like, okay. And then, of course, he doesn't, he proceeds not to do it that way, even though I was very specific that that's what I wanted to do. And um, he goes through and, and because Sivalot had built this, and I, and I would call it sort of like a rough prototype that he kept building on a building and never went back and cleaned up and refactored. So it was a really kind of a mess. I've seen entire blue chip companies that have software bases made out of that. Yeah, so I was like that and I was like, because <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to go in and make some changes and I was just like, Jesus, what is going on here, you know? And so I was like, right, here's a good project. Refactor this, generate it on the, you know, server side, using a template so we can easily adjust styles and things. A lot of the styles were in line, you know, he had these, there's a lot of duplication of code, uh, you know, like I could see, like I would do a search for something and I'm like, I know I've just replaced this. Oh wait, there's a whole other section of code which is all nearly identical. <laughs> so he did, he never just went ahead and refactored and like... Never went back. I mean, merging. we've all written garbage code as a prototype, and we, you know, you, but you have to go back and re refactor it and clean it up. But... Sivalad hadn't done it. And so I was like, okay, well, this would be a good place to start. And um, he just didn't do it. And then he, then he just was like building up is like, rather than using, when he was doing on the client, like, which is what I told him not to do. But then he like implemented as just building these giant strings of HTML code and just jamming it in as opposed to using the DOM. And I'm like, eh, it's not how you do it with inline style. I mean, it was just like really janky. And I'm like, dude, this is third rate bullshit. And then I, I kind of said, look, that's not how you do it. You really need to do this. You need to take inline styles out and make those CSS classes. You know, you need to get rid of, I mean, it was just none, none of, nothing was done right. It was all like, I was just like, you know, and then of course he wasn't following my directions. And I said, look, here's how we work. When you come on, first thing you do is come on and say, hey, um, uh, hey guys, I'm check I'm getting, getting ready to get started. Here's what I got. Here's what I'm planning on doing for the day. Jason, you are my leader, my one and only true leader, and I love you. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. But you come in and say, look, hey guys, this is what my these are my plans. This is what I'm planning on working on. If there's any change of priority, let me know. Otherwise, this is what I'm gonna do. Then, at the end of the day, you say, hey guys, uh, and then you commit. You do regular commits throughout the day, and at the very least, you have you commit what you've done at the end of the day. If it's not done, just put a work in progress, have a feature branch or whatever so that we can review your code, we can see what's going on, so that if you are going down the wrong path, we can say, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 this is not what I want you to do, right? I need to be able to see it. Sivalad needs to be able to see it. So I wasn't doing that. And I'm like, you're not committing your code. You didn't create a separate branch. You didn't check in the morning. You're not using CSS styles. I'm like, dude, like, you're not like following basic. Playing ball here. What the hell? I mean, this is really basic stuff. I'm like, we are a remote company. You have to communicate. I don't need a three-paragraph description of what you've done. You know, two, right. to, two, couple, two to three commits during the day, at least one in the day, just a, hey, a one or two-sentence two thing at the beginning of the day. Hey, guys, blah, blah, blah. Look, not dude, hard. we're not putting up the drywall at McDonald's, okay? Now, that's challenging. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't fun. But, you know, you're not going to fall. You're not necessarily going to figure that out in a coding interview. No. But no. Um, I don't think you'd know that because... I, 
you don't necessarily test for for like inline code, you know, inline styles or. But that that kind of stuff was uh, that was frustrating initially because he just was not, you know. But I noticed. I think there's a correlate high correlation between people who hide. They don't commit their code when they're not really getting stuff done, right? When people get stuff done, they want to show it off, right? If you're not getting stuff done, you don't commit your code. You don't, you're not, you don't want to talk about what you've done because you have to either lie or make stuff up or you really can't say, I didn't get anything done, which people don't want to say. So you just kind of hide a little bit. And yeah. that's why I'm like, I don't allow hiding. Just... Say what's going on. I mean, if if you say, look, hey, it's a struggle. I mean, there's plenty of days where Steve will be like, hey, you know, I've been I've been working this thing. I it's not working. I'm st- I'm not sure. I've tried a few things and I can't figure it out. I have to think about it tomorrow. Fine, I've been there a million times. But talk about it. Just say what's going on. You know, because I might say, hey, you know what, Steve let's just put that on ice for now. It's not that big a priority. Let's let's do this other thing. It's more. So you important. value, you know, open communication. Yeah. Because it's like, or I might say, Hey, cause there's the number of times where Steve Allard would come in and said, Hey, you know, we're doing this drag and drop thing. And I'm just trying to think of, you know, how we do keep the logical updates. I'm like, Hey, you know, don't do that. Just loop through reef, do a complete refresh. Screw the Delta updates. Doesn't matter. He's like, really? Let me, you know, cause like I, I probably saved him half a day or to a day of fighting, of chasing little errors of something that was an optimization that wasn't needed. To just do refresh, loop through the tree, create a logical JSON thing, a logical rep, uh, representation, two string, send it server, done. You know, like, I, that's, I mean, this is actually a conversation I had like with him five or six days ago because he wrote a little description of what he was struggling with and I, and I got to short circuit that because, hey, I've coded for 25 years. I've made those same kind of mistakes where I try and do something that's unnecessary for some, uh, optimize something unnecessarily and waste days of time where it was just, you know, and I was like, I don't, I don't want you to waste time. I, I, we have, I have 15 other things I'd like to get done in the next two weeks. So like, just do this. Now I do inline styles all the time. Mm-hmm. Am I a really bad coder? You're a bad person. Not a bad coder. <laughs> but, but, what, but what I do is, I mean, so this is what I'm wondering, like, did he just not get a chance to go through a refactoring phase? Because I'll, I'll just do it because it's just quick. And just so that I can see what's there. Oh, no, I, and, then I'll, and then I'll rip it out and put it in a style sheet yeah. and go, okay, I'll centralize it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly, dude. Well, you know, when you, when you and I are writing any foo and you, were, you kept trying to, hey, we'll refactor this. And I would like fight. I think I don't do any refactoring until we get this thing how I want. Right. Because they could, because it could very likely that any refactoring and cleanup we're doing is just wasting time. Because it may turn out that what we're trying to do isn't going to work, or this, we're not going to like the way this looks or behaves. So, like, just it's ugly. Just hold your nose. Let's just. So, get how working. do you know that he wasn't going to refactor? Because it was already, it, it was already there. Like he he showed it to me. It had gone beyond. It, it was already a working thing. He just had to refactor it. His job oh, was so to that's refactor. His job, was, his job to, was to refactor. His job was to refactor. And oh, I was he like, wasn't creating. I and see. he didn't get rid of any of the duplicate code. And oh, there's a bunch of code that wasn't even in a fun. There were these giant swaths of code that wasn't even on a function. It was just code, 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 blah, 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 duplicate of code somewhere else. And I'm like, dude, put these in functions, get rid of the duplicate code. You know, I mean, this is like standard refactoring. Pull the inline styles up, clean stuff up, remove the cruft, rename How many some, of the, some of the names don't make any sense. Rename them to sensible. How many names. reviews? Where where was this guy based? Or girl? Um, Armenia. How many reviews? What do you mean? Like none. He was new. Oh, he was new. Okay. He was new. So I took a real shot on so him. So it's a real shot. His it's English a- was good. He had a nice good 
you know, good personality. He like he talked a really good game, but I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he just didn't have. How did he take the? I didn't. I didn't. I you just, just. You just do it through. Upwork. I just uh, ended the contract. Um, you know, deactivated Slack and GitHub, pulled him off the re- repo, and sent him something. An e- I was going to say. Oh, to and then you. I and I sent him a nice email, and I said, "Hey, unfortunately, this just isn't going to be a fit." Yeah. Um, really appreciate you giving it a shot. Um, I gave you. Uh, you know, a positive overall positive review. So you get it, you know, so that you have, you know, um, you get, take, get to help you in, in finding another opportunity. How many stars? Best luck. Game four. Um, I, cause I was like, you know, I, I didn't want, here's what I didn't want to do. I didn't, I, I felt like he didn't have interviews and the first three he gives is going to be like crap, you know? And I was like, I felt, I really wasn't sure what to do. I mean, my internal feedback wasn't as strong. Would you hire this person again was strong, but my public feedback was four out of five. Cause I, didn't I, I heard that if you read that, 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 that there's a secondary review system, that's an unspoken rule that if, if it says we'll hire again, then the review is actually real. Right. If it doesn't say we'll hire again, then it's like, yeah, it's not a real review. Yeah. Did you say we'll hire again? No. <laughs> well, no, it's like, I don't know if it was real hire again, or it was real, like, what was the probability that you would recommend a hire again or something? It was yeah. like a one through 10. And I okay. said, I recommend I gave him like a I don't know, three or something. I, but like, it, yeah, right. I, I wouldn't recommend him to somebody, but, you know, but it was just an eternal thing. I didn't want to look, I didn't want to hurt his chances to, to, you know, learn how to be, a, I mean, I think the problem is, is he maybe lacked some skills, but I think he lacked he didn't understand how to be a professional freelancer. Like when you have a client and a client asks for a handful of straightforward things, you do those things. You, if you don't understand something, you ask questions, you give regular updates. You know, these are just, this is standard professional behavior. And, um, and, uh, those, those are things you have to learn. Some people, especially young guns, they get out there and maybe you're used to just not being responsive and not communicating with a client. You just are working with a group of people and you just kind of hide, you know, you put your head down and you stick your head and you only pick your head up once a month when you have something. And that could, that's, that could very well be like a, it's very possible to be part of an open source project and be like that, for example, or even a, even a, you know, a small group of people who work together on, on a project. You know, maybe you don't really communicate with a client. You just have your couple of you people, you you know, your buddies, and you work on some mobile app. I was going to ask you, how do you deal with, um, you know, keys and all that stuff, like access credentials, like bringing in these new people. You know, how well, do you? Well, he didn't ha- have he didn't have any production. So you don't give him production keys, and how do you feel about like someone like that getting access to your code base in the first place? Yeah, it's a it's. I mean, you know, it's. So they have that. They have it. That's one thing that kind of sucks about like GitHub and the whole way it works is like, even if even if you pick make a bad pick, they end up with your entire code base on the machine. I've often thought about that, you know, with yeah, Monty and any really, other. It's not really that useful to anybody, you know. These things don't. What, what what's it going to be useful to you know? I, I, I add a half finished code base with. No, it's not. It's not that useful. But I'm just think I I often think like if if people who who kind of ran the companies and who were really scared about this and really legal, really knew <laughs> like the level of what people have on their machines, like really, they would probably be kind of scared about it. Like so take for example, like, I don't know, someone going in to work for Uber, like you go in, you work for Uber, you get, you got the whole code base. That's it. You know, I mean, I know that they've, they're microservice now, but, um, but still whatever you're working on, 
you've got you've got all of Uber on your machine. Mm-hmm. You're wandering around, you know, and there's no re- real way around that. Or is there? I don't know if there is. I, I'm just something I, I'm used well, about. Well, it, it's like, you know, these high-frequency trading shops. They are very the trading, much... Trading shops, Trading yeah. shops, yeah. trading. They would firewall off sections of the code. Like, nobody knew any of the strategies that anyone else was working on. Interesting. Mo- so you can do that? Models. How would you do that? Um, they just didn't have access. They had the API to, like, you know, get data and send trades and stuff and... But like you and I are working on separate models, like we weren't allowed to talk about a stuff or see each other's code, or code wasn't visible to anyone else. Well, you and I would talk to the director of research. You remember James we had on the show? Yeah, he's a buddy of mine, and we talked. I mean, yeah, they 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 keep everybody separate, and everybody's working on. Huh. but wouldn't that kind of doesn't that make the working environment like suck? Like you you're not kind of open with each other, and it's like there's a big secrets from each other. Doesn't yeah, that- but that's how it works. Too huh. dangerous because if you figure out a strategy that works. You could go ahead and use it. Yeah, I mean it. You know, it, it, it's it's not something you could just walk down the street and do it, but you could go and find funder. I mean, you can, you could pull something together. Of course, you get sued and charged with IP theft and all that other kind of stuff. You know, that that's happened to a guy who left a Goldman Sachs or something. How can there be IP about just determining when to trade? Are you kidding me? That's 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 a IP. model. A model that it's figures a... out a bunch of statistics and analysis and figures out. Yeah, a guy went to jail for that. And paid like huge sums of money. You kidding me? <clears throat> yeah, that's. I get yeah. So it's it's not just uh, it, yeah. Okay, so it's the algorithm behind the algorithms are behind the decisions rather than just the decision. But it, yeah, the algorithm is the decision making. I mean, that's, that's everything. That's the golden. I mean, I say it's not everything. Obviously, there are other aspects to building organization and, and a lot of infrastructure has to be in place, but that's worth a lot. But there are other organizations that have the structure in place. If you walk in with your algos, you know, it might take you like a couple of weeks to a couple of months at the most to get that stuff implemented on top of their infrastructure and bam, you know. And and traders have tried to do it. People have done it. And some people probably have successfully done that without getting caught, but be, some people have. Would that know. be like good to do from your perspective? Let's say you're bringing in guys like this they can work on the code base, but they don't get to see the code base other than some fraction that they're working yeah, on. Yeah, you could do that. You could break those into separate, what they call them, um, um, modules, or what do they call like a sub... Uh, a microservice? No, just uh, they, they break down GitHub into separate oh. kind of modules or something, right? I think I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do that. You did yeah. that at Uber. Yeah. You know, and so you wouldn't you know, pull out wouldn't see the whole part it wasn't it wasn't to keep people from doing it because you could it was just to make it so that you didn't have to get the whole damn thing because a lot of times you just didn't need it you know, it was just a big pain in the butt but you know as companies get bigger like like create like um you know slices of the database not the whole database you know, well, i mean how really do you do your... like security on like developers developing on their laptop they're out at a cafe Steals the laptop, you know. Just well, the laptop. They have a, if they have a password on the laptop, I guess. It's, yeah, it's just it's just the encryption. Encrypted. If the, if the hard drive is encrypted and they have a password, what are you going to do? Assuming their password isn't password or their first name or something. But um, yeah. I mean, I think. Well, but laptops aren't encrypted, so like. Hard drives are encrypted generally, aren't they? No, they're not. Mine is encrypted. Hard, encrypted. I don't think hard drives are hard drives are generally encrypted. No, I think you have to specify, specify a, that. a part of the hard drive to be encrypted. Okay. Like so so yeah, so basically you can go ahead and pull out the hard drive from a Mac 
I think. I mean, I might be I might be wrong about this because I'm not a security yeah. expert. Yeah. But I I thought that certainly with PCs in the old days, I've done it where you get you get a yeah, you, I did too, right? Yeah, yeah. You get yeah, a Windows yeah, protected, you know, and I you guess just I was go thinking ahead, about on my Mac. I thought you mount I it. The hard drive. You can just mount it. True. Yeah, but again, I think for is not a lot of companies. Well, I don't know. I mean, I can't think of a company I've ever worked for that would be like super happy <laughs> with the, with this concept that we're talking about. Yeah, but it, it'd be. But, just, I, but I also don't know. It would be prohibitive for like developers. But they would just. It'd be so easy. You'd be so exposed for them for being sued. You know, even overseas, like you know, I don't know. Like they have. They're all their information. Everything's up on you know on. Um, Upwork and whatever, and I know they've signed a bunch of you know IP documents and freelance. So they documents. sign it just to get on Upwork in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So you can't, you know, they would be in trouble. Upwork would go after them probably. That's what you we believe. We believe that oh, you know, that's part of the deal. We believe that oh, Upwork have hired the best lawyers and they've put together the best contracts and people have signed those contracts. But I wonder, has that been tested? Has that been proven? Like, are you actually protected as a consumer of Upwork? Hmm. Anyway, I can see you're getting bored of this conversation. So. No, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's very worth looking into. I'm not. I'm not super worried about it. I mean, yeah. I just, I just don't think that. Um, in, in, unless you went out and, and tried to just destroy the career of one of these freelancers or really tearing them apart, I don't think they would have a strong incentive to kind of try and cause you a lot of damage. I mean, there's always a bad apple out there who is kind of a hacker at heart and wants to just cause problems just to cause problems. But that's why I think it's always important to try and be as respectful to people as possible. You definitely don't I, was wanna... gonna, I had to do a security report for Modern Teacher and um, was going through DDoS, uh, DDoS attacks and DDoS strategies and um, doing all the research. And the fundamental, the, the fundamental main driver behind DDoS attacks within the education industry is bored kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> bored kids, basically. Yeah, yeah with the idle hands of the, the, the devil's <laughs> workshop, right? Um, and most of them are against schools. So it's like kids who are kind of pissed off with their school who are like, I'm going to get myself a button it. <laughs> Just attack, bring the school Is down. Is that the accent they use? Yeah, that, that's, the that? that's the accent. That's the accent, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's hear about your uh, webinars and all. Did that go well? Did, did... Oh, uh, well. I want to get a gen general update, nugget update. Okay, uh, quick one. Um Remember when I did Light, and I worked for nine months building that mobile app and dispatch system, and no recollection. But I hired couriers and made money, and then you had a bike. You'd two weeks around. into it, I realized, huh, I really hate this. Right. <laughs> I remember when I moved to uh, Georgia and realized, huh, I don't really like this. You felt that way about the webinar? Well, no. Um, I feel like that about squeeze marketing. About Squeeze basically, marketing. so basically, you go ahead, you create an offer, and you say this offer closes in like three days, and you send it out to your mailing list, and you try and get them, and you say come and join us, and if you don't join us, you're, you if you don't get this offer by the time this little counter you know ticks down, you're not in this time, you're not in mm -hmm. for this offer. So I've done it two times with Nugget, and the the first time, so you know I did. Well, were those other ones squeeze offers? I guess they, I don't, I can't actually remember whether they were. I, I think I've just done it two times. So the first two batches were just, 
it wasn't a squeeze offer. It's just, come on, come on, guys, come. It's open now. Um, so it was limited, but it wasn't like a fully done internet marketing squeeze offer. But the last two times, you know, remember we got like 25 people one time. And then this, I've done one more just now, uh, the Gemini batch. And we got nine people for this time. What were the previous two times? Uh, first time was no, the, well, the, the very first time was Alpha Dogs. Okay, how many was that? That was $247. No, how many people? Uh, 14. Okay, second one? Second one was um, Beta Cats. Mm -hmm. That was 10 people. Okay. Third one was Mercury. Okay. That was 24 people, 25 okay. people. And then one, two, three, okay. four, five. So the fifth one is Gemini and nine people came in. Okay. But the last two were professional squeeze marketing. Didn't like, work. Well, no, it worked, but I hate it. Okay. I hate it. Like I hate, I just, I just viscerally hate it and I will never do it again as long as I live. Okay. Like, and I can't, I, I was thinking before, oh, this is going to be the strategy, you know, cause this is kind of what, not, not to the same extent, but this is what Amy Hoy does. You know, like mm. we open our doors like four times a year, you can come in. So she's not doing the same countdown time. Well, I mean, as far as I'm aware, I don't know. Right. But it's still that kind of concept. Um, but I cannot abide that. So I'm just not going to do it. Like, and the, But the other thing is, what I learned from doing the webinar is, it's like this big push. Like, one thing we've been doing with Nugget is just all these big pushes, you know, like the webinar. So spending a whole week putting together that webinar, sending it out. Um. I'm done with big pushes. I'm really sick of that. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to small steps, very fast iterations, very gradual. Just push out one tiny little change at a time. And the next strategy, I'm just going back to what I did with Plugio, which is basically have a marketing site, you know, do case studies, like have a FAQ, like just create all this site that someone can come to and if they want to do research a research-based person He's kind of like inquiring, like what 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 are you compared to the other guys? Maybe have like a like a cross, you know, like a a comparison page, you know, how we're different to the other ones and all that kind of stuff. I'm just going to do that, and then and then rather than do squeeze marketing, I'm just going to do what I did with the plugin. I'm just going to do content marketing. I'm going to go on podcasts. I'm going to maybe start a new podcast, and I'm not going to just try and get get it to this like, you know, I want to get it to a five hundred thousand to a million a year but i'm just not going to try and get that done this year right because that's what i've been trying to do and it's like kind of force it i've just been pushing myself too hard like stressful. i'm so stressful i'm not getting enough sleep and i'm not looking after my health enough and i think i'm going to just make health my main job yeah it's going to say lifestyle business for a reason right <laughs> right like have a decent lifestyle yeah you know? i'm sort of thinking I'm going to just turn everything on its head and just do health in the morning and then just fit whatever else I can into the day. Like, you yeah. know, I'm just going to go for, go for a swim every day. That's how I'm going to start and then see what else I can fit in. Because right now it's just not working, just like pushing, working hard, pushing. Like it was so much hard work to just get these nine people, you know? Like to do that whole webinar thing and to do the squeeze and to feel really bad about it, about doing the squeeze marketing and then just get nine people through the door. It's like, oh my God. And obviously I've, I'm that mailing list of 8,000 people. I've like squeezed it dry. You know, right. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to bug those people anymore.
Right. I don't want to send them any more emails. Um, right. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at mainly. Well, you know, again, like I said, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle business should allow you a lifestyle. Yeah. Meaning you should have a life that you enjoy. It doesn't yeah. mean that you don't work. It doesn't mean you don't have discipline, but you don't pushing yourself to the limit, not sleeping and not exercising and not spending the time that you want with your family or whatever. Those are not signs of a, of a healthy life. And so, you know, I, you should, you're in a position now where you can kind of, I think you've got something going and you can just keep adding keep, to it keep building just a little it, yeah. bit. And then, you know, it's like, you know, as I say, well, you'd be surprised at how little you can get done in a year, but you'd be surprised how much you get done in 10 years. You know, it's like, you know, this is not going to happen overnight and you shouldn't expect it to and you can't force it to move faster than they want. And it's one thing that Doug would say about MVCO Club. He spends so much time trying to create like a forcing function, trying to, you know, hack it to grow faster. And they basically just wasted a lot of money and time. And then the day, it's like, we know what the business is. We know how to grow the business. Just, it's just going to take some time. That's right. Just uh, grow that's, it. That's just, right. So what... What's such, such a strange feeling is with Plugio, I didn't know, oh, is this product right? Oh, is the pricing right? Oh, is it is it kind of really useful to the users? So the kind of innards, I didn't really have right. I didn't really know. But the outers were kind of good. Like it had a good model. It had a good growth funding. It had like a couple hundred people coming to the site every day, you know, just for that. But this is exactly the opposite. Like I... It's really working inside. It, these people are really progressing. It's a really valuable product. Like I've actually got the innards right. It's product market fit. The issue is, is now I've got to get the pitch right. I've got to get the outside right. I've got to get the out funnel coming in. And that's not going to happen in one push. That's just going to be ongoing iteration, growing yeah, yeah. of like, but you know, a blog post here, a blog post there, attacking it from this angle. Comments. Yeah, the comments. comments and, thing, I mean, one thing that I've sort of, there's something that I'm flirting with in my mind that, that I'm getting a little bit excited about is this, I, but I don't know how to execute. It's this idea of doing a, like a daily or maybe a weekly chat show, like a live call-in show. Yeah. Where, uh, where people call in about their- the live, live streaming Q&A. Yeah, basically. I don't know how to set it up, but I, I just feel like that could be, that could I be think something it's pretty common. I was just listening to one the other day. It was a guy who was doing a, Q &A, a live Q&A on, on YouTube or something. Um, I think that could work really well for bootstrapping. And I could call it Founder First, the Founder First Show. You know? Great. It's a great name. Um, and just and do that at founderfirst.org and just make it really clear, you know, this whole thing is a feeder for, for Nugget. Like, because that's the strategy that worked with, with Plugio. That was the best strategy. I remember when we started the podcast and, um, oh, really it's been so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I kind of worked out how to, how to grow marketing on Twitter. I basically yeah. said, okay, you know, you search for hash keywords like CSS and then you follow the people. And then if they follow you back, then you say, you know, hello to them. And then they find out about Plugio. And, and I've, and the best way that I ever marketed Plugio was to just spell that process out. I basically said, look, this, this is how you make Twitter work for you in five minutes a day. This is how you do it. And by the way, if you can't be bothered to do it, I made a tool to do that. And that that was probably my single biggest stream of traffic for for plug it. So I'm thinking, well, shit, maybe if I just do this show I'm talking about, I'll just say the same thing. By the way, if you just wanna 
if, if you can't be bothered to like think through all this stuff and listen to shows every day, just go, just do it on Nugget. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's all there for you. It's all done. You just follow the steps. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can try and figure it out, put everything together on your own, or you can just follow our program and we'll yeah. walk you through it and help you through it. And I think a lot of people will, you know, subscribe to that. Join it. I, I think so. I, you know, it's funny. It's like I was talking to Phil the other day and I was talking about how excited I was writing code again, how much fun I was having. And a part of me felt bad writing code. It's like, well, you know, you got to learn to delegate and get other people and scale. But I was just like, you know what? But that's boring. It's not fun having other people write code, especially when you're not super happy with because... With what they're doing. Yeah, it's like there's things that they just can't do and you're trying to get people to do things that they don't really know how to do or they don't have enough direction. You can't provide the right kind of direction for them to do it. I don't know, whatever it is. It's just... um, and then just doing it myself was fun. And he's like, dude, you've earned the right, do whatever you want. You've earned the just, right. Just yeah. Do, love it, it. do it your own way. You like, just write code. Love you want to write code, write code. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, I'm just like, if it's a little slower because I'm writing, you know, I have one, I have Steve Lod writing code and he's the only one other than me who's building anything. Then it's like, it's fine because I can build stuff to a level of quality that is going to move the needle on the product because the product is all about creating something that people love and it and few people are going to have as much insight into what the product needs to be because i'm the one who talks to the students and talks to the instructors and talks to the parents and talks to the content developers has been thinking about this day and night for less you know so it's like but you 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 know you kind of did that thing which i've always thought is weird like when someone's like 100% 100% doing something. So you you were like 100% working with the kids every day. Your whole life was full of that. And you went from that to, you know, zero. I was like, that's kind of weird that you didn't but this is this is right. Like you you should it shouldn't just be like, "Oh, I get rid of that whole workload and now I just don't have another workload." You know? Yeah, or just you spend <laughs> a lot of time doing a lot of meta work and a lot yeah, meta work, right. You know, and I've I mean, I know what the, I know what the weakness, I like, I know the roadmap, you know, I know what the kids struggle with, what could, what could make life easier for the students. But also you're an epic coder. Like you, like it's, it's one of your biggest skills. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I could, you know, I, you know, I look, I have. And it's what you're selling software. I don't know if I call myself an epic coder. I love the sound of that. I, (laughs) I am skilled enough to build whatever it is I need to build. There's There's nothing that I need to build that I can't do on my own or I can't figure out and get working. And so, um, and there's a lot of, a lot of important stuff that needs to be built that I, that I, that I, and it's like, you know, I just, just like this, this sort of prerequisite tree graph thing. It was just like, this needs to get built and I can do it in like three or four days and it's done. And it's just how it needs to be and how I want it. And it's done. And it was It'd be fun. like spending your whole life, like, making small batches of amazing wine and being a vintner and your dream is to open up a vineyard and then finally you get enough cash and you open up this vineyard and then you don't do any more wine making you just like pass it off to all the other people yeah <laughs> you know it's funny i i knew a, a guy who who funded my first company the company phil and i did together oh yeah he his dad gave him access to a lot of the capital that he himself had built in the trading world and he had a you know a lot of money and so he uh, he put some of it into 
funding our company. And he was really excited about coding and stuff, but he never learned to code himself. He would just invest in technology companies or invest in us. And it's like, dude, the fun is actually coding, <laughs> right? It's like, you know, if you like basketball, but you just like buy a franchise, just play yourself. Just go play, just join a team, play. That's fun. Playing basketball is fun. Writing code is fun. Doing stuff is fun. Just do it. And, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of pressure in life, I think, to try and do things to scale, to do things efficiently, to delegate. And yeah, there are situations where it's like, you know, when you try and do too much yourself and you're not delegating anything, and that can be a problem, right? That can be a, that's a, that's a growth bottleneck for people. They don't get past that. But I think there's also another way of looking at it and say, you know, do we have to try and scale that quickly? Is that really necessary? What do, what do I really want to get out of this? You know, what do I want to do? You know, what makes me happy? You know, and part of, and it's like, just like you're saying, like, you know, being in this huge rush to scale, whether it's hiring a bunch of people or doing squeeze, doing marketing, doing things a different way, the way you don't want to do, um, you can make yourself unhappy. And it's like, the, it's not the building something successful, like having the successful thing. I built a successful business or I made money or whatever. It's the process of getting there. That's the fun part. The, the, the MacGuffin, the thing you're chasing, it's just a, it's just a carrot. It's just something we create to, 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 so that we can have an adventure to go on. All right, so go on the adventure. Do the, but go on the adventure you want to go on. You know, you're, you're self-authoring anyway. Write the story you want to write. Don't write the story that other people are telling you to write, you know? And that's this way. So if like, you know, I've just been coding up a storm and I'm like, God, this is fun. <laughs> you know, it was like, I'm just having a blast. I'm just putting on the uh, electronic music or whatever. And <laughs> I'm just building stuff. And I'm just like, you know, you know, I go through my ups and downs. I'm like, ah, I can't get this to work. This is impossible. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is awesome. It totally works, you know? Um, and I don't know. It's just... Yeah, and so it's, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, and Phil, Phil, Phil had it right when he's like, "Dude, you know, I, I don't know if I'd say I've earned the right. I don't know if this like earn has anything to do with it, but like, I have an opportunity to do it the way I want to do it. So that's the way I should do it. Do it. Yeah. Do it the way you want to do it. It's your damn company, mm -hmm. you know. And I think there's a lot of um, the world is always trying to force you into templates that match previous. What they success. did. Not what they, not so what they, but what they've read about how other people have succeeded. But sometimes it can be how they succeeded, but like, oh, I read, this is what you need to do, or I heard. But, and then all of a sudden you read an article about some company that did it a completely different way, maybe the way you like to do it, and they succeed. You're like, you know. You know, a thing, a th something comes to mind. Remember when Rob Walling first started getting into outsourcing? Do you remember? I, I don't know if you remember, like whether you followed him that closely, but anyway. It was it was yeah, just it was just a big day. thing. It was just a big thing for him. He was like, yeah, personal assistance, and outsourcing personal assistance, all that kind of stuff. Well, I've seen someone who really kind of took that to heart, but they weren't ready to, and it was the wrong it was the wrong step of their career path mm -hmm. and their scale. And I think that's that's and it's kind of held them back like by a couple of years. Mm. And um, you know, it's it's it's. You, it's such a delicate game. You've got to be so careful, like about following advice, about giving advice. It's very, very difficult. Yeah, I think you. I think self awareness is important. Being introspective and trying to figure out what makes me happy. What do I want to do? You know, like 
like for me, having one other developer who can do stuff that maybe I don't really feel like doing stuff that, you know, what stuff that needs to get done that you don't want to do that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like this bug needs to be fixed. This thing's to be changed. It's like, okay, I will pay someone to do that because I want to build this other thing. Right. That's like a good thing for me. If it's all on me, I feel kind of like, oh, you know, like I have to do all this kind of maintenance work and bug fixing and all this stuff. And I never get to build the cool stuff that I really need to be built. Okay. But I have at least one other person to do this, to do that. You know, not that he has to do, he builds a lot of cool stuff as well, but you know, I don't have to do, I don't, for the most part, don't have to work on things I don't need or want to work on. But if I said, all right, well, I'm going to step entirely away and just give all the coding to other people and I don't code anymore. It's like, if I love to code, if that is actually about my favorite thing to do, is that a good decision? You know, because what if, if, you know, a happy life is doing what you love to do every day. It's not making a million dollars. It's not being in the front of a magazine. It's not being on a talk show. Whatever the hell you think it's going to be, those things are fleeting and generally don't mean don't mean that much. What is important is what you do every day, you know, throughout most of the day. Like that's what your life is. And so, do what the hell you want to do. Build the company you want to build. Build the be the person you want to be. You know, I don't know. I and I, I think uh, I think it's important. I think that's I think that's again for I think it's for both of us. You know, like at Nugget, it's like you're right. Like if squeeze mark now stuff, like rushing to it's what you're you supposed to do. It's what it's like a you know a classic internet marketing strategy that works. But it is I just a hate strategy. It. I just it hate it. A strategy that works. Yeah, it's not the only strategy. Do you think they do that at Basecamp for thirty-seven signals? No, no, they don't. They exactly. Don't. That no, I so, know. Jason, I, I, you should if if you ever if you ever start feeling insecure about doing things differently than how everyone says you should do it, go listen to some interviews with DHH or Jason Fried from thirty-seven signals or now Basecamp. They're always they're like screw it. This is the way we're doing it. I don't understand. You can do whatever <laughs> no, you want. That's we do it. And they've been <laughs> Even successful. Right down to server architecture. Remember, they're like, they're like, you can talk about your distributed systems all you want, but I'm just going to buy a bigger server. That basically, right. that's what they say. They're like, they did I'm all. Just, I'm just going to get a bigger server. I'm not going to. I'm just going to buy a bigger server each time. <laughs> yeah, they're like, you know, we work 40 hour weeks, or we work four <laughs> days a week, and everybody's remote, and we don't do this. They don't do any of the crap anyone else does because it didn't make sense to them. They don't see why you do it, so they do it their way. And then yeah. it's successful. And I think the only thing that matters is that you create a product that customers are willing to pay for, you know, one way or another. You know, it's it's all it's all that matters. If, if you create value for other people that in, to the degree that they're willing to, you know, put part of this squeeze marketing campaign, one guy said to me, I I'm not really sure. Like, I don't know. I was part of the foundation before. I'm not really sure. Like, I kind of don't trust programs like this. Um, what's the, you, what's the, the, foundation? the foundation is like a, a one that costs five grand. Oh, and it's like it's it's like a you know startup business. Okay, and, so, okay. and the problem is, is that's kind of what what I would get compared with because it's the closest model they have. Because that's out there. But anyway, he kind of said that to me, and he said, "Any chance of like just talking to you about it on the phone?" So I got on the phone with him and I enjoyed that so much. Um, that's what made me think, I, th I would really like to do that Q&A show. I really enjoy just talking to people, giving people advice, like seeing where they're at, getting their background, 
you know? Dude, you do that anyway, whether people don't want to talk about it. You're like, pitch, you know, you should do a start, do this. They're like, what? You're like talking to your gardener. Hey, man, you should do They're like, guys, like. That is, I actually did that to a gardener. That's I know. Me. I know. You do stuff all the time. You know, so do a situation where people are actually kind of want to do stuff. Yeah, like where they anyway, kind of want to listen to As opposed to, to trying to go projecting on people who have no interest in starting, you know? It's um, true. Every time I get in an Uber, I'm like telling the guy to do a startup. They always get pissed off with no, me. No, it's just, it's, you know, it's, um, yeah, I mean, you, you should, look. Just the, the I'm, I'm ex- saying this because it's about, like, enjoy, you know, doing something you, you enjoy. enjoy doing. Well, look, your people <laughs> marketing, they always talk about authentic marketing. Right. Right? Because people can kind of tell what's bullshit, whether, con- whether it's this, maybe not always consciously, subconsciously, this is bullshit, it's inauthentic, they're trying to manipulate me, they're trying to trick me, they're trying to, they're pushing different buttons, and people don't like it. Sometimes it works on them, but they still don't like it, right? And push marketing or squeeze marketing stuff is kind of, it's, it's an effective marketing because it is somewhat manipulative, right? As if a lot of these marketing are. And you're like, and you're, you're feeling like, I don't like it because it feels manipulative. It feel it's, it's high pressure. It's, it's like it could be a car salesman. Yeah, it's but what you're going into a car showroom. But what people will respond to you is to your authenticity, your genuine desire to help them be successful. That's your that's your key uh, winning formula is 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 blowing that up and allowing people to experience that as much as possible. They listen to the show or they do live Q&A or whatever. Mm. And you enjoy doing it anyway. So it's funny. You're like, I'll bet you if you continue doing that and you find out ways to just sort of channel that, to just do it as much as you feel comfortable doing it, which is quite a lot. I think you have a high capacity for it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't overdo it. No, don't overdo it. Don't Don't the point where you're just like burn yourself out on it because you can burn yourself out on anything. I could even hear at the end of the conversation, this guy who was like, you know, speaking to me, he'd had this really bad experience in foundational this. And by the, by the end of the conversation, you could kind of hear he was he was beginning to background me. <laughs> he was like, uh-huh. Like, he was okay. like, yeah. He's like, okay, I get, I, I kind of get you it. Oversell, like, you oversell, you oversell, you oversell like I, I knew there was a point where it was the perfect point to shut down the call. He yeah. was like, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, okay. In my brain, I was thinking, shut it down, shut it down. <laughs> but Da-da-da. I just kept going. But anyway, he did sign up. He's part of the he's part of the academy. There you so go. it worked there you fine. Go. Yeah. There you go. So I think <laughs> Yeah, I mean be running a company the you know, sort of running an, an, an a company in an authentic way. You're trying to create value for people. Do it the way you feel comfortable doing it. Do the way you're excited about doing it. Um, I bet you will ultimately work better than whatever whatever you know, manipulative techniques are available mm-hmm. in the marketing, you know, universe that you could use. Just doing that will work because authenticity, real authenticity sales. There's mostly, there's a lot of fake authenticity. It's just bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Just do. Actual authenticity. You do you. you Auth- say? <laughs> authentic authenticity. Right. Yeah, really, you like, do you. Do, yeah, dude, just do you, man. You know, you're, you're doing Nugget because that's the company that you feel compelled to do. You're not doing it because you think it's going to make you a lot of money. You're doing it because you're compelled to do it. Now, just do it. Do everything about it in the way that you are com- are you are comfortable doing. That's it. And right back at you, mirroring. Exactly. Yeah, you, well, that's true. You are the man to do Math Academy, just, and you do you. That's right. I'll do me, you, and you do you. <laughs> I will. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I I think I think for the most part, I almost always do me. But sometimes this it's is true. Where, You've you, always done you. There's not. There I was really, never any question about that. But yeah. I but I I just kind of like. <laughs> I got a little ahead of myself thinking about hiring another developer, just trying to go a little faster, get stuff done. And I just realized like, I don't going back and forth with this dude and being frustrated that he's not able to kind of deliver what I need or in a way I need. It was just like, wasn't fun. And I was just like, I don't want to do this again. I just, I just want to build this. And then it was just, you know, Oh, um, so I had some questions to ask you. Yeah. I actually have some other things to talk about. So we need to kind of, this is this is Holy a real crap. Quick, it's getting late, isn't it? This is a real quick question. Okay. Well, no, it's not quick because you're answering. So why not be quick? <laughs> there are no short answers. <laughs> okay. Jason's, Jason's okay. talking. Is there... I'm, I'm, you could you could just answer this one quickly. Do you do because we went to um yesterday we went to Knott'sbury Farm with Jack. It was a great day. Uh-huh. Knott'sbury Farm, Camp Camp Snoopy. Yeah. I can tell that my kid is a roller coaster rider. Yeah, and I'm not going to be able to do roller coasters with him because Why? I'm not a roller coaster rider. Oh, you, you get stomachache, or you just I just yeah, you? I just it's just it doesn't Freak work for out. me. It doesn't, yeah. and that's what I wanted to know. I would my imagination is is that you are not a roller coaster rider, but I'm I'm curious, are you a roller coaster rider? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm not a. Uh, I don't. I, I I like roller coasters. I don't love them. I'm not. They don't scare me. Yeah. But I'm not like I can't wait to go on a roller. Sandy loves roller coasters. Yeah. He loves roller coasters. Um, I'm like, sure. What I don't like are the spinning things. That gives me this. That gives me the kind of oh, yeah. sickness. Makes me ill. Um, but it didn't happen when I was younger. But for uh, maybe like seven, six or seven years ago, I have the first time. And now, whenever I do too much of that spinning stuff, I get kind of the whole rest of the day. I feel nauseous. But um, I'm good on roller coasters. That it's just that feeling of being. It's kind of like horse riding. It's like that feeling of for me of being so out of control that just it, it's like monumentally freaks the shit out of me like yeah. i hate it by the way we had a really beautiful comment on the last show about, oh, about horse riding horseback riding yeah um Bonita, that, is that her name that definitely deserves a shout that out that was hilarious thanks so much you schooled us so badly <laughs> so well we deserved it that was great i was <laughs> like yeah we have no i have no idea what i'm talking about yeah um, but that was that was that was cool like she gave a whole breakdown on the difference between english and western style and basically, riding and you it's know, not a horse ring it's like an a arena. Doof, like a doofus i'm like Oh yeah, no, it's not a horse ring. It's an arena. That's the first <laughs> one, which is like, uh, That's great. duh. Of course, it's an arena. But but also, I didn't know that. I'm like, I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, no, okay. I didn't know that. But the very fact that I said, oh, it's the horses. American horses are different. How could that be? Like, that's dumb. It's obviously the training of the horse that makes the difference. Yeah. So um, that makes sense. That yeah, was, that was really, cool. I'm, really good. I'm always I always appreciate people clarifying or explaining things to us that we are confused about. So. Don't ever feel bad if you're listening to the show and you think we're we have something wrong and you want to just sort of educate us. That's you know. Okay, I got another bit. This is another big question for you. So the roller coaster one that was good. It's a big question that I want to ask you. It was a quick answer. I get it. You do roller coasters. Okay, fine. You're you're better than me at roller coasters. <laughs> um, so <laughs> now uh, that, next that's question. A, that's a feather in my cap. <laughs> <laughs> now the next question I have is, I have always poo-pooed the concept of flu shots and thought mm -hmm. there's no way i'm taking flu shot but there is a story going being promoted in the news right now by a guy who's just who spent 10 weeks in a coma and it was basically had the same opinion as me and he's basically saying 
should probably take flu shots because actually, even if it's not the right strain, it it means that you won't spend 10 weeks in a coma. Like it will make your reaction to flu probably just a lot more measured. So what do you think? Flu shot or no? What do you do? Well, I've never done a flu shot, um, but... You know, I don't know. I just never thought about it. It's not like I. It's not like I take a. a, I have a a philosophical stance against them. He's a thirty-six-year-old guy, very just perfectly healthy. Like you know, nothing strange about him. Not obese or anything like that. Um, I mean, I think it's. I think it's probably really good for people who have weakened immune systems, kids, older people. You know, but it's probably beneficial overall. I think it. I think it helps society in general because that many fewer people get it, so that that doesn't spread as much, right? So, um, was an epidemiologist? Is that the people? Who are the people who I don't know. study the spread of diseases? Now, and someone stuff? else, someone else's wife is screaming right now. It's not epidemiologist. Oh, Jason, you it's idiot. this, it's this. Hold up, I'm gonna I look really it up hope right that now. They, they write into the show Epidemi- and correct us. Epidemiology. But are you gonna? T- uh, uh, would you do a flu shot? Activity. That's my question. Would I do one? Yeah. Are you gonna do a flu shot based on? I've never done one before. The thing is, I'm really lazy about doing things other like than that. what I want to do. Okay. Yeah, it's like now I got to go take a bunch of time out of my day. Um, well, apparently you can get a flu thing. shot in just any any pharmacy. Yeah. Why, see, I'm just wondering, like, do I, I'm always suspicious of someone injecting something into me. <laughs> like, right. Um, so... I don't know. I don't have. I, I don't know. I don't really. I'd have be a, interested to see to hear uh, listeners' opinions on on. I flu did. Shots. I got it right. Epidemiology, the branch of medicine that deals with the incidence, distribution, and possible control of diseases and other factors relating to health. So nobody is going to write an email talking about. How I have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay, I would love. Although to I see, don't have, just because I know a definition of one word doesn't mean I know anything about epidemiology. I would love to see but, like someone from Hacker News or like one of these really, you know, someone who researches stuff pretty deeply, just do the lowdown on flu shots. Like, uh, is it just the dumbest thing in the world to not get a flu shot? Or is it the dumbest thing in the world to get a flu shot? I think it's one of those things that it's just like, it's, you're, you're taking a risk. It's a low risk. It's, it's the, Do you immunize your kids? No. You don't? Well. Wait, they, no, they get vaccines, right? They've, they've, they've they, been. Whatever they, they they've get, been whatever they shots. get. They get whatever they get when they do their yearly checkup. Yeah. Now. It would be dumb not to. Well, well, no, okay, no, I take that back because I don't want any comments of saying. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's dumb not to, but my my kids not the normal thing. My kids are generally so. Sandy gets like a fair amount. She gets a lot of colds because she has sign. I think she gets like she has like sinus infections because she's allergies and you know. So she tends to get colds and things quite a bit. I rarely get sick, and my and the kids, my kids rarely get sick as well. So they're all pretty, pretty robust constitutions. Um. That said, you know, anybody can get sick at any time. You know, there's tons of healthy people who get these weird diseases out of nowhere. So basically, you know. no opinion one way or another yet. I don't really have a strong opinion. I just remember one other question I Sounds have. Sounds like I probably should. I just a bit lazy to, up, to this, <laughs> up to date. One other question. The final question. Yeah. All right. And then you can you can do your talking because I can see you're itching. Okay. You're itching to talk about stuff. I was just reviewing my notes. On Nugget. And then I was looking at the prerequisite tree going, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> it is really good it is really good oh, this is cool. i love that feeling of when you've just done it and it's like yeah that's exactly right because that doesn't last like that's you you may have that for like a couple of weeks that halo but you gotta but you gotta um you gotta enjoy it while it lasts yeah right? exactly okay so you you know how uh on nugget it lists um 
founders and the projects that they're working on the amount that they've made mm -hmm. like this right what is your opinion on nugget being on that list and that nugget would be so much higher than anything else that's there yeah i don't think I, I don't i don't think it's like it's like um like does it show it's, something it's, it's, or does it's, it's, it anti-show something it's it's like racing against your coach on a track team or something. It's like you're not competing against your coach. Right. Okay. You know, it's sort of um yeah, we get that phone ringing in the background forever. Da -da 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 -da. I don't think that you'll hear it. Really? Yeah, it doesn't that that um, doesn't come through. Yeah, so I don't I wouldn't do it. I just I think they they should be they should be sort of measuring themselves up against their peers you know that's you're you're not not a peer you're a more experienced entrepreneur you you know obviously started this way before their particular batch you know yeah, because because i am on like the karma pages and the momentum pages and i'm getting creamed like people have got a lot more karma than me on the system and have a lot more momentum than me on the system but i guess that's different to like this you know your startup project like yeah okay i i think i hear you yeah okay no all right good i would but you know all right i got you okay hey, man you do you no whatever no, makes I agree. you happy it's your no, no i think it's important because because it's the kind of thing that would like it could potentially upset people or piss people off you know if it, if it wasn't thought about and correctly right right you right. know like some founder comes in oh i've just paid you money and now all of a sudden you're showing me how much money you've got right so um just a little thing on Math Academy. Um, so it's funny. I got a um, an email from Haran, who's the you know one of our instructors. He's the mathematician. You have mentioned him many times. Yeah, so he's, he, he is awesome. So he um, he just sent me what his his latest update on what he thinks the outline of courses should be for high school. And yeah. he said for so for sophomore year, he thinks we should do discrete math, abstract algebra and differential equations and modeling. I know you probably don't know what any of that means, not being a math guy. I've heard you say differential equations before. Yeah. <laughs> well, discrete <laughs> math is like the math that you would take if you were, say, a computer science student. Okay. Um, those are those are things like... Not just really well-managed torques and graph theory. It's the things that are discrete. Like It's the kind of math that would be involved in computation, not, not uh, sort of analysis or, re you know, real numbers. Um, yeah. um, and then for junior year, I think he had real analysis, probability and statistics, and then he left an open slot. And then senior year was partial differential equations and then two open slots. And they had this giant list of all these things that could go in each of those three open slots. Things like you know, number theory. Uh, he has something called Grubner bases. I don't even know what the hell that is. <laughs> um, you know, uh, complex analysis, you know, it's advanced abstract algebra, and, uh, you know, I don't know, scientific computing, logic, and whatever. Um, you know, and I was, I was just looking at this, and I was like, this is, aw this is awesome. <laughs> He's, I was like, well, my only response is, like, well, my first reaction is, I think having discrete math in the sophomore year is, is great, because that is... Like we have them doing multivariable calculus linear algebra freshman year. Those are that is a pretty standard sequence of courses that you would take after you finish single variable calculus. If you were going to go and major at most universities, you're going to major in math, um, 
or if you're going to go into something like physics or engineering or something really mathematical. Um, but if you're going to go in computer science, you take discrete math. So it's good to get all that stuff done, right? Like these are like sophomore level math classes, uh, our college sophomore level math classes. And it it's good that you do that rather than we go off and like say do a lot of um, uh, you know pure mathematics, you know because a lot of people because a lot of these kids they enjoy math but they might want to go off into something else. And I want to make sure, as I've said a number of times, I've talked about this program is I don't want to assume they're going to go be mathematicians. You know they may, I mean obviously a lot of kids may do may not do mathematical things at all, but if they're going to do anything mathematical, whether it's computer science or physics or engineering or biochemistry or whatever the heck it is that that, that they there's a lot that they learned in the in our, in our high school math program that will be applicable, applicable to all these fields, that will push yeah. them way ahead of where they needed to be and not that like oh i learned all this really pure math that has absolutely nothing to do with computer science or nothing to do with physics you know you want them people everybody feel like hey yeah it was a it was a booster rocket in the right direction um but it's really cool to leave these sort of slots open that it can be a, a bunch of other things, you know, like topology and all this stuff, because part of it also depends, like getting really top-notch instructors, it's like, well, what do you want to teach? Like, oh, I would love to teach a class on knot theory to like, okay, done. Knot theory it is or whatever, you know, because um, you want the instructors to be really excited about it. But you also was thinking like, if you if you kind of adjust them, it also means that like you could take, two of these courses at the same time because you hadn't seen one of them anyway. It, you haven't seen either of them. And if, if, because a lot of our kids might get to junior, senior year and they might be like, oh, you know, I want to take two math academy classes, you know? But anyway, so my reaction to this is I was like, well, only, my is I'm, I said, basically, I'm just jealous that I, this didn't exist, <laughs> you know, when I was in high school. And he, he was like, yeah, his response to me was like, yeah, he's like, he's like, I'm just, me too. He's like, but really, the only people who have seen this kind of stuff are either child prodigies or field medalists. Field medalists are like Nobel Prize for math, sort of. You know, he's like, other than those people, like nobody. He's like, I'm. He goes, I'm still in awe that this program even exists. So it's awesome that our our key instructors has that. That is very cool. That is reaction. You know, he's that. He's still like blown away that we're doing this. And um, you know, in fact, Sandy went and took. So we have a a new. Um, a new TA um, who uh, he was a math major himself, and he's going. He's getting. He's in the Georgia Tech computer. He's in the Georgia Tech has this online computer science program with a specialization. I think one of the specializations specializations they offer is in machine learning, and he's doing that. Um, and but he's tutoring as well, and so he's also working for us as a TA. And uh, so Sandy took him to go see a three or four classes over at Sierra Madre because those are the kids he'd be TAing for. And she got back and she's like, she's just incredible. She's like, just watching her in. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's just such a great instructor. She's like, I never understood, you know, so the topics he's talking about until he just now. Now I get it. <laughs> now I get it. I wish I had had God. I wish I had had him as an instructor. And she's like, those kids are so lucky to have him. She was like, almost like in tears, describing that to me. She was just like, and I was just like, man, this is so awesome. That's that, really that, cool. That even because she's obviously we talk about math, we do this, but then you go back and you actually see it, and you're just like, man, this is great. And then I just talked to a mom today. We were at a um, 
Colby's high school baseball game and there was a mom there whose son was on the team who's in Colby's year and apparently she has a younger son who's in the sixth grade class over at Sierra Madre and um, we started talking um, she recognized my face and I, I can't remember who she I didn't know who she was but she's like oh you know I think I you know whatever so we started talking and she's just like yeah program's incredible kids love it they just love you know and she's like I just can't believe this is this. so anyway I won't go on about it but it was just like when you get that kind of feedback and they're just gushing about, you're just like, damn, I still can't believe this is actually happening. This thing is actually existing and working and just kind of like as how we imagine. But it's it. also, it, it's such, so beautiful. It's such a beautiful proof of the power of gradualism as well. Like, because it is so much bigger. Remember when you first started talking about it? I mean, it was just a, just a, like a little, concept well it was, was crazy i mean it was like it also just sounded crazy that we, we yeah, actually crazy. make it work i mean if people go back and listen to it i mean it was a lot of you know i mean it seemed very unlikely that we could make it work but um you know it's but also one of the things that a couple of things i think are reason if you say well, why did this happen you know obviously there was you know i think you can't discount the fact that we had a superintendent who wanted this to happen but the right. other things is that I had a really clear vision of what I wanted this thing to be. And the details were important. How classes are taught, what classes are taught, what the instructors need to be like, what, how do we call it? I mean, it's, you know, and, and all this stuff has kind of evolved a little over time, but I had just generally speaking, it is very close to what I had wanted. It's it to funny be because start. you kind of say, you, you say the concept, someone, someone could say math Academy. That's like this overall concept, advanced math. That's this woolly overall concept. You could have a million different people interpret that in a million different ways and try and build that out in a million different ways. But you have picked each of the specific ways that add up to create a very successful version of that. That is amazing that that can happen. That, that can happen. It's almost like, I don't know, it's just, it just blows the mind that it's all those different choices and decisions there's so many ways to screw it up is what i'm saying mm -hmm. there's so many ways to screw anything up well you know <laughs> to me it seemed like there was just one obvious way to do it like it's like this is obviously how it should work you know well you know yeah. even even just getting kids up on the on the whiteboard which is like one of the fundamental components of it is well, that's, like that's unthinkable to most most people yeah oh i had to say that was sort of like uh something that evolved <laughs> what right it, that's what I'm yeah, saying. There were iterations of sort of our culture and what it we evolved. Do. Yeah. But the, the key thing I think to making this whole thing work is having a vision and having a, a real passion to seeing it realized, right? Like this is like, I am committed. I'm going to make this happen. Like there was just, you know, when you're dealing with somebody who is absolutely committed to making something happen, that they are an unstoppable force People just kind of eventually get in line. They're like, all right, like, <laughs> I guess this is happening, right? Like, you know, I mean, if you do it in as friendly and as positive and respectful way, but you're like, you're not going away. Like, this yeah. is what we're going to do. Like, people are eventually like, and assuming it is, that is at least, it doesn't have to be a great idea, but at least it's not a bad idea. It's like, okay, this is, sounds like a general, somewhere between a pretty good to a great idea. It's hard to sell when, but this guy is absolutely is really enthusiastic about it and he's not stopping you know 
then that's a key thing. Is like you just that's a sort of commitment that, that doesn't make sense to not be execution. part of this. Like I'm going to have my kid in this school. This is happening. My kid could be in this program, and my kid isn't in this program. Yeah, so it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, but you know, it, and it really wasn't about convincing the kids as much as sometimes it was just like I don't know. A lot of it was bureaucracy and parents. things like yeah, nah, not nah, parents to degree getting parents on board, but it was just you know pushing through the bureaucracy and you know just overcoming bureaucratic or, or or regulatory obstacles um and um yeah it's just that in the attention to detail like i care a lot about the details i care a lot about how kids are qualified i care about about how we explain the program i care a lot about what the website looks like i care a lot about how we how each class is taught and how we progress the material and how we do grading i mean i care all this stuff i mean you know, not to the point that I'm a, I, I, I want to um, be a control freak for individual classes. I mean, I certainly the, the instructors have a lot of autonomy within our culture. You know, we have like, here are the things that we care about and here's the things we emphasize and these are the things that we, your goals. But, you know, we have, you're here because we have a lot of respect for you and your ability to be a great instructor. So within these bounds of, you know, make them great at math, Make it fun. Make it do a lot of active learning. Don't crush them with homework. You know, don't make it really about the grades. You know, those kind of make the kids collaborate and compete and have fun. Those kind of things. But hey, a lot of ways to do it. There are a lot of things, the ways that we've figured out to work. But if you have other ways, you have to think about. You know, do it. But yeah, because you you only care about results. At the end of the day, they could do something completely different, bring a whole new concept, and you're like, fine. If that teaches the, those kids like mixed mixed number theory or whatever it is, fine, whatever. Yeah, but if but if you try something and you and you stick with it and it doesn't work, I mean the kids aren't learning it or the kids are not having fun or the parents are frustrated, then you need to adjust. And if you're unwilling to adjust, then we're gonna have a problem, right? Right. So it's like, but if you have something that works really well, like I want to know about it, so we can we can you know make that a part of our standard toolbox. Anyway. Um, yeah, um, I know. It's when I didn't mean to go on a huge random math academy. I've but been was... watching a lot of. Um, it really reminds me of natural selection. Mm -hmm. I've been. We don't have to discuss this, but I've been watching a lot of videos about atheism uh -huh. and athe atheists arguing with like evangelical types, mm -hmm. and it's just it's just it's it's been interesting looking at the debates and you know, like talking about for example, you know Richard Dawkins, the God delusion, yep. and so. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the one of the arguments that the guy said he was arguing with someone who said, you know, only God could create an eye, you know, mm. and Richard <laughs> Dawkins was saying, well, you know, he he was basically saying, you know, how could an how could something like an eye have come through evolution, and what you're saying, just that discussion that you were just saying there reminded me of evolution, like you pick the best, you do it, and and he was you know just saying, well. It would you just have to think about stages you know what what is the very basic stage of an eye you know it's just kind of like a flap that lets light in and then maybe you know you can just tell the difference between light light and dark you know and that could be useful like you know to save you from a predator and then maybe you start to like create a bit of a cone and just like let light in from different directions so you can be more pinpoint the shadow and you know he was talking about well we've got examples of each one of these stages through different animals and different you know different parts of humanity but anyway, I don't know what it's just the way that you you said. You know, I, I if they if they say no, they wouldn't 
if if they weren't doing uh, well, then we would, you know, axe that. Yeah, it's the ultimate it, you thing. You just yeah. make me think of like natural selection. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's like I I was talking to the one of the, the mom about it today, and I was like, you know, we try and be very sort of customer focused in a sense. Like unlike typical schools, who I mean, maybe private schools might think a little bit about this. Public schools certainly not. But we think of math academy parents and their students as customers. So it means we have to communicate them and find out: Are you happy? Is this working for you? What would you like to see done differently? You know, we're, you know, we're because if they aren't happy, that's going. That means we have some. We probably either a well, most likely we have a flaw in the program. Either we've recruited the wrong people, or we've communicated things ineffectively, or we're not delivering things at a high enough level that we could or should. Right. So it's it's ultimately our fault. But the only way we know how we're truly doing is by evaluating our program at all at, from all aspects, not just like, hey, how are these kids doing on the tests, you know, how how engaged are the kids seem during class, but how how are the parents feeling about it? Are the parents feeling are the kids happy or are they stressed out? Are the kids overworked or are they fine? Are the kids you know, like where, where are they at? I mean, because sometimes parents will be like, yeah, you know, he's learning it, but, you know, we spend a lot of time doing homework together and he's feeling a lot of stress. Like, that, that's not a good No, situation. you don't want them feeling stressed. You know, yeah. and there have been situations where it's come to that, where and then we go, okay, well, why is, why is this kid stressed and why is mom or dad feeling, you know, feeling the stress and what, what's happening in that particular instance or with that class, you know? And um, so, you know, but it's just like, you know, and it's because I view it as a startup. You know, it's its own kind of startup. But you got to you got to do that. You got to talk to people, um, you know, because you're well, never perfect. You know, we there you know, we get like a lot of good news. But there are situations where a kid is struggling and, you know, there can be frustration coming from the parents, you know, based on the kids struggling. And we got to figure out why what's going on. Can every kid be turned around? Or is there times when you're just like, this isn't going to work? Um. Mm, there have been instances where either this doesn't happen a lot, but where we've had kids who qualified for the program or we led in the program, maybe they didn't qualify and we thought maybe they could do it and they really couldn't. You know, like there were some came on recommendation, but they didn't test in and they just were just not able to do it. Has there been a scenario where they really get stuff up until a, a plateau and then they don't get it anymore? No, it usually it's like obvious from the start. It's yeah. like they've struggled and they struggle and they continue to struggle and then they keep struggling. <laughs> and it's just like, well, we just keep working with them. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, now this is not the kind of stuff that people like to talk about, but everybody has a different size engine, you know? I mean, everybody, you know, well, leave, it, leave it this way. People have different aptitudes in different areas, okay? Whether it's music, social skills, sports, you name it, right? We probably could, sense of humor, empathy, analytical skills, whatever. Math is one of them, right? And even math can be broken down into subcategories. But there is a large variance in aptitude to do this kind of stuff. And, you know, you can obviously, depending on how, it's like the further you go down the curve from Ex truly exceptional to exceptional to you know somewhat exceptional to you know you know you get to a point where it just creates more and more exponentially more work to try and get them to keep up to a certain level does that make sense yeah to the point that all it is doing is causing stress for everyone involved it's stressing out the 
the, the kid. It's stressing out the parents. It's stressing out the instructor. In fact, even the kids can feel it. You know, the kids, this, the, the, the kid is not getting it. They're frustrated. The instructor is frustrated that the kid is not, you know, when a kid doesn't do well on the test, the teacher feels bad. The kid, the teacher is like, why is this kid not going to, we went over this stuff or, you know, I'm, I'm working with this kid. Maybe they're frustrated. Maybe they think it's their fault. You know, maybe they think it's the kid's fault because they're not studying. Maybe the, you know, the other kids can, it just creates stress all around. So what you don't want to do is keep a kid in if they just can't do it. Now we have had some kids that we thought early on didn't quite have it, but then they showed us they did. Um, you know, but sometimes that was like in the first few months, like they just seemed like they just had a learning style. Like they seemed kind of, maybe they were slow and methodical and you just thought they just were slow. And it turned out they just were thinking deeply. I mean, there's some people who talk more slowly, who think more methodically, they yeah. think deeper, yeah. they're not fast, fast, fast. We have different styles. You have kids who are quick, 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 you know, do everything in their head. They just see everything. And some kids who just think deeply and then they, they, they come across, um, they, they come up with an analysis that's much deeper than anybody else did because they... They think in that way. Um, I was reading a, uh, an article from 2008 in New Yorker um, that was surfaced on Hacker News by Malcolm Gladwell about late bloomers. And I find this relevant to this discussion here. So basically, it's sort of like half the, half the, half the geniuses in the world kind of take 60 years to get to the genius. Mm -hmm. And they're just like really slow learners. <laughs> you know, but then the other half kind of peak at 25, you know, or, you know, peak earlier on. So I was wondering, you know, maybe some of these kids who can't do it right now, maybe there'll be some point later on in their life when yeah. you know, they'd really fall into it. You if know? you love something, you know, you can take it to a high level. You may not be able to learn it as quickly as other people, you know, and, and probably most people who are great at things picked it up pretty easily, but not everybody, you know, but I would certainly say, it's much, much more common that people who, who, who are really great at things picked it up pretty naturally. Not all, again, but probably more often than not. People really like the story of people who struggled and picked up later because it makes them think, oh, maybe I'll become a genius one day, right? Well, that's, what, um, that, that's kind of what, the, what, the, what his, his point is, is that um, society thinks that it's just young people who, you know, it's, it's what you just said. That's what society thinks. But actually, from the research that, that he, he's done or that he's researched, it turns out that at least half of it is just people learning slowly. It's, it's really, there's two types of learners. There's, there's, there's the people who are just naturally gifted at it and just like get it. And then there's the other people who just slowly build towards that same place. Well, here's the thing. I mean, let's, let's say that you, you go, well, you know, the top... 0.1% of the people are the, you know, those aren't even the geniuses, right? That's point with one in a thousand, right? right okay. So the top, you know, top two or three kids at your high school or top kid in your class. This isn't like, you know, there are thousands and thousands of high schools, right? So it's not like, you know, we're talking about just 10 people. We're talking about, you know, the smart or one or two smartest, you know, let's just take math, for instance, kids in your high school. So, Half of the people who turn out to do awesome stuff were one of, were, were that person at least, right? The other half was everybody else, right? 
yeah. 99.9%. Probably the other half, we're still in 98% to the 99.9%. Oh, okay, it's not yeah. like the people in the 30th percent. That's not that you don't, it's probably like a power distribution. You probably have an instance for somebody who was the 90th percentile, somebody who's the 85th, but there's many, many fewer of them would be my bet. The and, stats, the, 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 the basis of his argument uh, was based on um, poetry. So that's why maybe it doesn't fit with a model like with math. What a poetry? Poetry. So basically, what they did was they looked at um, they looked at all the anthologies of of poetry, you know, and what what had been included as like the what what had been included in every one of these you know the top hundred anthologies of the best selling or whatever, and then they broke it down and you know chose uh, broke it down to the top ten most often you know liked poems or whatever. And 50% of them were by 25-year-olds, and 50% were like between 60 and 80. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the basis of, so, so I guess. But it, that's it's, a, not, that's a kind that's, of, it's kind of a completely different it's argument. Different. It's, it's different. It's different than because, math, right? Yeah. Yeah, but because here's the thing, though. I mean, poetry does not depend on mastering huge quantities of material, right? If you can read and write English, and I don't know, you've read and written, certain level number of poetry books you get a sense of how to express yourself and you've been around but, in the world for 60 years some odd years you've you've mastered the language so you know i think this i think that's just a, a different thing well they do mention art as well and you know so like cezanne for example and uh, so they um, another big you know um they do cezanne versus um dali so basically Sa Salvador Dali, just every painting he knew, he was like, I know it. I, I, I know exactly what I'm going to paint. It's there. I'm going to do it. And Cezanne, it was like, it, it was like iterative and took a long time. And, you know, the, once again, it was like a 25 versus a, like a 60, 70. So, Rabbit in the hair. Yeah. The, the turtle, the, the tortoise in the hair kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, people, people move things at their own speed. Um, people, people move late. I mean, look, I'm, Math Academy takes the kids who are ready to move fast yeah. now and They're puts the them in an environment that fits them and that they're excited yeah. about so that they come out of high school and they're like, hey, math is awesome. I'm good at this stuff. I know a lot. I think I'm going to do some more. or And I'm certainly not going to be afraid to pursue some science or math or engineering subject because there's a lot of advanced math. In fact, I think I'm, I'm kind of way ahead of the curve. So I definitely think I'm going to give this a shot. You know, but it, but it doesn't mean if you didn't do math academy that you can't. Some kids who you know, they're not ready. To, they don't learn at that pace. They evolve late. They they maybe they said mature a little later in some way, but um. Well, I don't once know. you got the software out there, people can come in at any age. That's true, but that said, I I think. I think that's going to be the exception. Yeah, right. I, I think, you know. It's funny. I know. I I, I, I. I. know. I feel bad saying things like this, but, um, you know, I think we probably capture most of the kids in the Pasadena school district that have anywhere close to enough talent. You know, we at least identify. Not all of them join the program. Some go to different highs. Go oh, to different I get it. Yeah, schools. yeah, yeah. But, um, but whenever we've had some kids who really, really wanted to do it and didn't quite make it, or 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 scored lower. On the uh, on the on the sort of qualification exam, they struggle. Like we, you can look and say, okay, like let's look at all their tests over the past 
year and see who's really strong, you go back to this original qualification test and it like a really high correlation. The kids who blew it away on the qualification exam, those are the kids who've just been smoked, who've just been killing it. <laughs> the kids who did well, but not great, same thing. The kids who kind of just kind of made it in have been kind of, you know, they're kind of similar. They're struggling. They're they're getting by, but they're not killing it. And, the, you know, it's just, but, you know, math is, math is just one of those, it's a little unforgiving. Mm. It's kind of like sports. There's certain things that are just kind of unforgiving. Well, are there any markers that you can see in like, younger kids like four age four or something like for jack for instance yeah <laughs> like um, if he's doing things like um like if he's looking at dice and like adding them up and he's he he just spontaneously said to me the other day he said look you know there's a two and there's a two and this makes four i mean i that sounds really basic but i he's i don't know i don't have like a lot of experience evaluating kids that young it's hard for me to know it's hard for me to remember exactly what my kids knew how to do or were supposed to or should he be doing like long division by the time he's four but but i will i will say that kids that are mathematical um when they are younger they tend to like to count they tend to like to play with numbers they tend to be able to do these things in their head really easily Mm. you know um can you nurture it? I don't. I mean, you can. You can always. You can always work to, to sort of like artificially inflate how they would do on tests and stuff. But it's almost like um, it's. I think it's somewhat artificial. I don't think it's real. That's that's. It's like. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think you really can. I don't think any more than you can just like make someone taller. You know. Yeah. It's just sort of like. Yeah, I can teach you these skills and I can have you memorize a lot of things. But if you had to work really, really hard doing lots of worksheets and lots of things to do that, and these other kids just kind of did it picked up naturally. Like, so what are you, are you going to be doing that for the next It'd be interesting years? to know if there's like something foundational you could do with four-year-olds, three-year-olds, just I, You know, it's like what I tell parents. I wouldn't sweat it. It's like, it's like you don't force it. Yeah. You know, your kid is who your kid is. And, you know... You try and like you can introduce them to things, and you kind of always parents always kind of shade them into things that they like. You know, like I tried to all make my all my kids into soccer players. You know how many <laughs> soccer players I got? Zero. Yeah. I went zero for three. <laughs> and all of them were athletic, and all were good when they were young, relative one, to the kids their age. And the, like they at were at soccer. At soccer, right? Albie was one of the best kids in the area. I mean, obviously, seven or eight year old like league, but he was, you know, he was the one who would score a bunch of goals and was on the club team. And Izzy and Eric, same way, they're both really fast. Good, they care less. They don't just want to. Not do it. into it. It's just, yeah. you know, they they played it for two or three years because it was this thing to do, and they're young, and then it, they just, you know, all the point where like I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And it's the same thing when parents try and force their kids to play the piano or force them to learn another language or force them to, you know, do stuff, and it's like it's usually a waste of time. Like it's good to introduce it to them, but if they really don't want to do it's an it, option. don't, yeah. don't, don't force it. I mean, you know, if he's, you know, you, you obviously want to give them a, a well-balanced education. You want to make sure they know their basic skills and they can read and write and have their math, basic mathematical skills in place and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I, I don't think you can manufacture a mathematical, and you can't manufacture mathematical talent. You can cultivate it, but if a kid doesn't have it, you're not going to turn them into to a, a you know little child prodigy. What you can do is you can take a kid who struggles with math. Like so, Izzy, my middle child, has um, she was struggling with math, 
And in part, you know, she had dyscalculia, which is sort of like a lack of a number sense. But yeah. she also had um, a, a, like an ADHD stuff that was sort of untreated for a couple of years, two or three years. And that kept her from encoding new information because she, she was really low. It's like her attention span was she was at the third percentile. Right. Um, and so she just couldn't encode, encode new information. She just was not picking stuff up. So she got really behind in math and became had anxiety about it and just hated it. And so we got our high-priced tutors, worked with her, and she's doing well. Like, she's at grade level, maybe starting to push a little above it, but it's like mathematical genius, no. But if she can be operational, she's no longer afraid of it, can she do the math that she needs to do? Can she do a little simple algebra? Can she do, yeah, good. That's great, you know? But am I going to try and turn her into a math academy kid? Like, no. I mean, if she wanted to do math, if she's like, I'm really excited about this, I'd help her get as good as she wanted to get. But it's like, I don't know. And I don't know if that answers your question. But Yeah, no, that's that, It's that's hard good. to manufacture. So with, with Jack, yeah. I just think, just like you kind of throw the ball with him and you go, you know, and you do things, little athletic things with him and you you play with words and you Just language. kind of nurture it. Just yeah, as like... Keep, keep, make it so that it's like a Play games. It's a thing that happens. Yeah, he's really gotten into this show called Number Cubes or something. Mm -hmm. These little these little cubes that like everything they do, they're kind of counting and adding and dividing. Yeah, he's really into it. So yeah, so if he likes that kind of stuff, that might be a signal that he's math mathy. I mean, mathy kids when they were long, always just they're attracted to numbers. Right, numbers feel good to them. Just like kids who are real musical, like the music, they just love the sounds of music. They want to make yeah. sounds. Kids who are you know, to, but. Again, all kids, even the kids who are not very artistic, like drawing when they're little. Yeah. Even though some of you can tell, like, well, that kid has no sense of, <laughs> you know, they all like it. it. Doesn't mean they're any good at it. Yeah. You know. Um. But um, you know, it's that's one thing too is, and I I did this, and I, most parents do this, and you're doing it, and we'll do it. Is that we always extrapolate? Like, I wonder if this means this. I wonder if yeah, it's that. Yeah. And that's like, yeah. wait, yeah, I didn't mean that. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. And then yeah. You, you kind of over get over excited and you over extrapolate. You extrapolate about things because you kind of. Hopefully. No, I, I definitely do find myself thinking, "Oh yeah, he's going to be a NASA. Oh yeah, he's going to be a, he's going to be an engineer for uh, Elon Musk's company. Oh yeah, you know." No, like, yeah, it's, so. it's, it's. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> and he's you, full. Can, you can't help yourself from doing that to doing that stuff. You can't, you know. And sometimes, but you just sort of probably want to not let yourself get too uh, too carried away because it's just it's so hard to tell when they're little. I mean, you know, even kids. Even kids in middle school, it's so hard to tell. Anyway, like I said, being in math academy does not mean they're going to go get a PhD from Harvard in math. Yeah. No, you're just you you're know, just making options. You're setting up all the paths for them. You know, and not getting a PhD, and, not, and it doesn't mean that getting a PhD from in math at Harvard is even the best thing for them to do, or isn't the best thing for anybody to do. You know, I mean, you could even ask like. You know, does the world really need another mathematician, a pure mathematician? I don't know. Um, so, you know. You might end up teaching in math academy. That's true. But math in particular is is just a launching off point academically for a lot of other subjects, for a lot of other things that just require it. So anyway, we wait, this is long, boy. That's, no, it's our average two hours. No, it's longer than that. No, no, no. Just two hours and 10 minutes, I would say. All right. You got to go home and have some dinner and get on with your life. Yep. All right. That's a wrap. We're out.